This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. vampires and the human who can't choose between them oh my it's the twilight saga eclipse and this film is lit hello and welcome back to this film is lit the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books we're not gonna dilly dally because good lord katie we have 12 pages of notes just so much to say about oh, this one so we're not gonna we're not gonna putz around but really quickly before we get started i wanted to uh, plug our patreon uh, we just released a bonus episode for our five dollar and up patrons i actually think i accidentally released it for everybody so i'm pretty sure even if this one if you're a two dollar patron you got access congratulations I think, that, <laughs> I think that actually happens kind of frequently i usually <laughs> switch it I think I I usually switch it. But um, if you could do us a favor, you head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. You can support us for two, five or fifteen dollars a month. You get different things at each level. Um, but we just talked about uh, what we do in the shadows, cursed and crazy ex-girlfriend in like a two hour long episode where we kind of reviewed all of those shows in, in their entirety or however much is out of them so far. You can hear what we have to say about those shows. And you get access to other bonus content, uh, early access uh, you'll get it usually the night before the episode would normally come out. And at the $15 level, you get a uh, priority recommendation, which is why we did Starship Troopers and Mortal Engines and uh, uh, First Blood, a bunch of other ones, a few other ones. So go to patreon.com slash this film. This film is, I'm trying to talk fast because I'm trying to get to it. <laughs> this film is lit and support us for as much as you can. That would be greatly appreciated. Let's dive in with our first segment. We're back to Eclipse. We're back to the Twilight Saga. We have Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. The third installment of the Twilight Saga, Eclipse, follows Bella as she graduates from Forks High School and deals with enemies and anxieties on all fronts. She's anxious about the impending date of her vampire rebirth, worried about the Volturi coming to town, and scared that Victoria is still looking for her. Meanwhile, the death toll is piling up in Seattle, and the Cullens surmise that someone is building an army of newborn vampires. But who? Tensions between the Cullens and the Quileute wolves are running high, as are tensions between Bella and Jacob. In the end, everyone must work together to defeat their foes, who it turns out are also working together, kind of. Dun, 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 kind of. <laughs> in, a way, of. <laughs> in a way. In a roundabout way. One of them's using the other one without the... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, so that was a brief summary of Eclipse. If you have not seen it or read the book, let's get into it. We have so much to say and are better in the book, better in the movie, and the movie nailed it. But our first segment is Better in the Book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Uh, this is a stupid little thing. It's in the book. It's not in the movie. They're at lunch one day, and I don't even remember when it happens. It's fairly early in the book, but 
Alice has a line about uh, she's staring at Bella and Bella says, or no, Alice doesn't even have a line. Bella says in her head to us, she goes, Bella, uh, I bet Bella wishes she could dress me every day, maybe several times a day. And that was the team Alice content that I need in my book. And I was disappointed that they left that out of the movie because it's such a weird, it's not even a line. So I get why they, <laughs> it's just yeah, a weird it's just thing a to thing say. That she thinks, I don't know. I thought it was strange. And uh, the, in particular, the the she would dress me every day if I let her maybe several times a day was like, again, do you know what you're doing, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer? I feel like you know what you're doing. Maybe you don't. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. There was a line, though, in that section that I loved while Bella is thinking about that, which is a, a it's a part of their dynamic that we come back to often. Yes. That Alice always like wants to pick Bella's clothes out. Right. Cause Alice like is into that. all the girly stuff. She likes yeah. parties and dressing fancy, you and know, like makeup outfits and like and, all yeah. that stuff. Um, but she's thinking about it and she says that, uh, Alice would probably dress her as though she were a three dimensional paper doll. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you mean like a doll? Yeah. Just like a regular That's doll? A doll. That's a doll. That's, That's what doll. that is. Stephanie. <laughs> It's just a doll, <laughs> a three dimensional paper doll. I love it, too, because you I get what she's going for, because like paper dolls, you put the little clothes on and stuff. But you can also just do that with a yeah. doll. So it's so I mean, she weird. She could have said maybe there's a weird copyright thing, but she could have said a Barbie doll. There, maybe there is a copyright thing. But even without that, just a doll works. because yeah. You can put outfits on dolls like I, I, I remember <laughs> you pointed that out. I didn't even register with me and you pointed it out. And I was like, oh, that is weird. Why would she write it like that? There's another line pretty soon after that where Bella full on, and this is the first time this has happened in three books, admits to us, the reader, that she probably needs therapy. And I was like, wow, she realizes or Stephanie Meyer realizes. Uh, and then I was like, 20 bucks. She never gets therapy. No, <laughs> yeah, not I was at all. like, there's a zero percent chance she ever gets therapy. The therapy is becoming a vampire. Yeah, that's the therapy that yes. she wants. She True. craves. Yeah. Uh, there's a little scene that the movie left out that I wouldn't be surprised. So we, we, we were as we were going to watch this movie on Amazon Prime because they're all on Amazon Prime now and like eight million versions are on Amazon yeah. Prime. There's four. I pulled there's, it up and I was like, which version do I choose? There's the standard. There's the extended edition. There's a 4K version. And then there's like an extended 4K version <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Um, we watched the standard version because that's what we've yeah. watched so far. Like for the, the first two. Release. Yeah, the theatrical cut. So some of these little scenes may show up in the extended cut, but in the theatrical cut is it's not there uh, alice and edward or edward play mind chess they play chess and bella explains that in order to play chess because edward can read her mind and alice can see the future they don't actually play chess yeah. they just stare at the chessboard until one of them like decides they lost yeah which i thought was fun yeah the description is like it's just like two minutes of them staring at each other and then alice like flicks her queen down on the board was yeah. the description in the book yeah she just knocks her, yeah, knocks her king over and then like, oh, yep. I thought the book did a better job of introducing what was going on in Seattle. I mean, we get kind of a, a jump in with Riley at the beginning of the movie, mm -hmm. but I thought the movie did kind of an info dump when Bella and Edward are going to see Charlie and he's talking to Riley's parents. Yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah, and then we kind of are introduced simultaneously to the idea that there's all of these murders and missing people happening in Seattle, and then Edward is immediately like, 
oh, it's vampires. Yeah. It's definitely vampires. Yeah, it doesn't slow burn as much yeah, as the I book thought does. Yeah, I thought the book slow burned it a little bit. Like, Bella reads a newspaper article, and then later on, Edward sees the same article, and he's like, ooh, you know what? That might be our yeah. kind. And there's there's a little bit more, it's a little more, like, meted out, whereas yeah. the movie kind of info dumps it all on you at once. It's uh, due to the constrained sort of timeline yeah. in the film. We don't have, we, we spend so much time with Bella and Edward and Jacob kind of, you know, the, the the romantic entanglement for the first half of the book, like we do in all the books, uh, that they kind of, she piecemeals out. But as I mentioned, and we'll talk about it, that she actually does at least give us uh, some of that plot element in the book earlier than in some of the other books like yeah. a lot of the other books it felt like it wasn't until halfway through that anything important and not, i say important anything important in terms of like the big conflict yeah. the greater conflict that was going to take place in the book we got any sort of setup for it in this book we get it like within the first 30 pages which i thought was nice but i thought it was funny too when um Bella's going to ride a motorcycle she has her motorcycle still mm -hmm. um that she helped or that jacob helped rebuild for her and she's going to write it to Jacobs or I can't remember what the exact context of where this happens, but Edward gives her a helmet to yeah. wear. He gives her a helmet and like a leather jacket. Yes. And a leather jacket. And Bella says, I'll look stupid in a helmet. And Edward responds to her by saying, no, you'll look smart. And I was like, this is a Stephanie Meyer. The more you know, like Stephanie Meyer threw like a, a, a helmet PSA in there. Because in the first uh, one, in the in the previous book, she doesn't wear a helmet. She yeah. cuts her head open when she hits the ground or whatever. And I'm sure at some point during the process, and we'll get to it. But this book, this book is, is of greater than any of the. Or greater than the preceding book because um, it's the second in the series is uh, a response to things that people have said about her work previously oh. yes. <laughs> and it gets real hot and heavy eventually and we'll get to it but this felt like a little detail that she saw somebody tweet about or something and was like she's wearing can, a helmet I now. can fix this <laughs> I can, I fix, can this. fix it you guys <laughs> and then I'll have Edward say you look smart and cute in a helmet <laughs> It's, yeah. Oh, man. In the book, uh, Bella is the one who reasons that Jacob might be checking to see if she's still human after they go to visit her mom in Florida. Now, the movie makes some changes here. In the book, he calls her a bunch of times to just, like, yeah. check in. And the movie makes it so that Edward is there also. So we can surmise that Edward is reading his mind. And he's like, oh, he's checking to see if you're still human. Um, but in the book, it's Bella who kind of reasons out that that's what he's doing, which goes back to my point from book one about the movies selling Bella short. She's smart. She yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And yeah, the we don't get quite as much of it in the movies. We can tell, like, she's still into reading and stuff in the movies. Like, we see her, like, mm -hmm. reading, talking about <laughs> reading books. And I, it's not like it's a big thing, but she, you know, we can tell she enjoys literature and stuff in the movies. They still make that a little bit a part of her. But they do... um Similar how in the first one, how like the whole plan about how to trick James and yeah, it's, it's uh, Bella's idea. It's Bella's idea, whereas in the movie, it's the the Collins come up with it. There's a little thing um, after the altercation between Jacob and Edward in the school parking lot in the book, where all of the other male classmates are placing bets on if they were to fight, like which one of them would oh, win. Yeah. Um, and they're like. Oh, do we know what it's about? And good old Mike Newton <laughs> says, Mike. I can guess. And then they all look over at Bella and like, it's a gross moment. 
But to me, it's also like kind of a real life detail moment that I feel like yeah. the movies lack because yeah. the movies have to throw they have to get so much in about the plot yeah. that we're missing those kind of little details here and there that make the world feel more fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely spend less time. They could they I mean the movies excise an entire plot line or little like scene in this one where she goes and like hangs out with which is is this character even in the movies? Um Yeah, she's the one uh, with Angela. Glasses. She, oh, okay. Yeah. That's uh, she has nothing to do in these in the movie. Like she just shows yeah, up she's and she's just there. She's she she has less of a role than Jessica does, whereas in the book she's like more of a friend to Bella than Yeah. Jessica is at the, is, is at this point. Um they've kind of grown apart or her and jessica have and her and angela are more friends when yeah and angela in the movie it's just like there she doesn't have any scenes alone with bella yeah uh, there's a moment in the movie where jacob or in the book where jacob jacob actually explains again this feels like bella answering or <laughs> bella eh, maybe that fits stephanie meyer answering uh crit- <laughs> critiques from people jacob jacob explains that he carries his jean shorts with him when he's a wolf mm-hmm. he explains that <laughs> The reason he only wears jean shorts is uh, because that way his other clothes don't get destroyed. But also he can he, they're easy to fold up and he straps them to his leg as he runs around as a werewolf. And she even makes a note, a mental note later in the book about as Jacob's running away one time, she can see his jean shorts strapped to his leg as he runs away. And that was a detail that they did not keep in the movie. <laughs> that conversation, nor the... Uh, uh, her seeing like them having jeans strapped to their leg, which I was disappointed because I thought that was stupid. It doesn't make it into the movie. I thought that I had a thought about this as I was reading the book, though, because I felt like we very thoroughly established in New Moon that their clothes get destroyed when they shift. Yeah, yeah. But then we're like discussing it again. Yeah, you're at right. At the beginning of New Clips, at, at the beginning of Eclipse. And I was like, is this supposed to be for people making fun of how shirtless Jacob is all the time? You know what? I, yes, I bet. Because here's the thing, though. I never thought about this. And we we did, we kind of discussed like the recapping and stuff and yeah. how about how like who is this for? This is one of those series, though, because these were coming out. Did this did this movie come out or did this book come out after New Moon the movie? Like where's well, I the guess timeline? Not, because the first movie didn't come out till 2008. Which and this book came out in 2007. So yeah, oh, why Oh, this book came out in 2007. Okay, yeah, cuz then that makes no sense. This? Okay, then that makes no sense. My my initial thought was maybe cuz maybe if they were coming out close enough together, yeah. that she was responding that she was this was like oh somebody may have seen the first two movies right. and then want to read this book and they may have questions but that doesn't make sense because the timeline doesn't line up because if if this came out before yeah any this of the came movies out before did. any of the movies did and that's such a weird thing to me to rehash yeah. like i get doing the kind of like babysitters club like let's give a brief little recap of who all the characters are kind of a thing like it's annoying to read but i get it yeah, that's such, to me that's a weird thing to like go into detail about again. Yeah, it is, <laughs> yeah, it is a weird thing to go into detail about. Yeah, this this movie came out in or this book came out in two thousand seven, like you said, mm-hmm. and yeah, that New Moon came out in two thousand eight. So yeah, that's not what was going on there. Never mind. I was trying to come up with a reason for it. We were really, we were, we were really trying to reason that one out there, Stephanie, but we just yeah. couldn't, didn't, we just make couldn't sense. make so it We had happen. to go back to that well again. 
I did like the big reveal in the book, and they do it very differently in the movie. There's a moment in the book where where Bella first sees the wolves for the first time since the uh, the end of New Moon, um, mm-hmm. when she saw. Uh, I don't remember what happened at the end of New Moon. Who did they fight? Was there a fight? No. The no. wolves did something, didn't they? They killed Laurent. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, there's last time she knew there were five wolves. Yes, basically. And then in the book, they go there. This is when they're going to train. They've struck struck up a treaty with the Cullens. Jacob and and uh, Sam and them have kind of discussed with the Cullens. Oh, hey, we need these newborns are coming. This is we're now you know getting into the book a ways. And I think I have it so far up because of when it happens in the movie, probably. Yeah, it gets moved way up. Yeah, and that's movie. why I have this note so far up in the book notes. But um, in the in the in the book, there there or in both, they're like we're gonna train to, for these newborns that are coming, and they go to this field. In the book, they go to the baseball field, and, and when Bella's standing there, she hasn't seen how many wolves there are. She still assumes there's five, and they all walk out of the woods, and she can see their eyes, and she starts counting their eyes, and there's like. 10 of them now yeah. or something There's like way at more least than eight she or thought. something and she's like what and it's this like dramatic reveal like oh it's there's a lot more of them than we thought there were which is like a cool moment in the book because mm-hmm. she's like taken aback and like what's good you know she had no idea that there was more still uh that were like joining the pack and that sort of thing and the movie just kind of dumps it into like she goes over to their house and they're like oh yeah Seth's the wolf leah's a wolf Everybody's a wolf now. We're all wolves. They're all wolves. And then they're just like, yep, we're all part of the pack now. She's like, oh, okay, cool. So then later it's just, you know, they're just, there's no like dramatic reveal that we get in the book. Yeah, there's not that dramatic reveal. And the movie misses, like, I actually thought some of the werewolf stuff where Edward was talking about, because he's been reading their minds in that training sequence. Yeah. And he's talking about, like, it sounds like soap opera. Yeah. Like, the tension between, like, Leah and Emily and Sam. And then there's a whole thing. I think it was Embry where they, because his mother was from a different tribe. He's a a bastard child. Yeah, so they assume assume he's not going to turn into a wolf, but then he does. And the only candidates for father were all married at the time. Yeah. There's just, like, it sounds, like, really dramatic and interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's barely even in the book, but it is, yeah. I can't remember exactly where this exchange is in the book. I think it's right around, like, this equivalent scene from the movie. Mm -hmm. But Jacob and Bella are arguing about her decision to be with Edward and become a vampire, because of course they are. And Jacob says, I think the best place to start is within your own species. And Bella just pops off and says, well, I guess I'm stuck with Mike Newton then. <laughs> there have to be other dudes at that school. <laughs> Mike Only be, Mike. Mike cannot be the only option. I That cannot be possible. I don't buy it. <laughs> Um, so there's an entire chapter in the book where, uh, it's, and it also kind of takes place in the movie where Bella goes to a bonfire at the Quileute, uh, at La Push. Um, and it's a big bonfire with all the elders and stuff. And, uh, they're discussing, uh, they tell the story of like their history, their lineage and where their tribe came from and how they get, got their powers in the first place and how they first, uh, their whole backstory with vampires from back in the day and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so we get like this big, long storytelling chapter in the middle of the book. And the movie has a little bit of that in there. I preferred it in the movie and I was or in the book. I was really interested in how they were going to do it in the movie. And I was hoping because we had discussed this in an early 
in an early in the first book or whatever when when Jacob tells her about the vampires in the backstory and stuff like that that it was disappointing that they just hadn't kind of had generic like flashback yeah or like old timey it was like the Cullen standing in a foggy woods in like older clothes like it was like you know okay um but that budget that movie had a lower budget and I was hoping like maybe by the time we got to this one they'll like do this up a little bit mm-hmm. we'll get and we'll get something like we talked about like with cool like uh, sort of uh animation inspired by like indigenous artwork or something you know yeah. what i mean something like that something akin to in the deathly hollows yeah, that's movie what we like about. The, the the three the brothers tale of the three brothers yeah. where they shifted into like a cool animation style yeah. we're hoping something like that something um and and so first off no we don't get that we literally just <laughs> get flashback that that is shot essentially identically to how the rest of the movie is shot like mm-hmm. it just looks the same except it takes place back in the day they also skip the first half of that of the story. They actually tell like two stories, yes. basically. Um, and the uh, the second one, which we see in the movie, is about the third wife and about the, when the vampires showed up and the battle between the werewolves and the vampires. They truncate that quite a bit in the movie, which is to be expected. Uh, but because ma- they're mainly getting the important part, which is the story of the third wife and how she sacrifices herself to distract the vampires that's important uh I, it's like as soon as you you read it you're like well okay obviously you're like, this okay is, <laughs> so this is where we're this headed. is where we're headed with <laughs> bella here all right um but th- the first story is about how that they actually found out that they could turn into wolves mm-hmm. uh, and that that wasn't like their original power they could just like spirit walk essentially they were like these they could like transfer yeah, into they the could, spirit like, world like uh kind of like an astral projection kind of but then they could while in this astral plane they could like make wind blow and like stuff like that they could like influence the elements kind of they couldn't like interact directly with stuff but they would leave their bodies when they did that and there's this big long complicated story of a an evil guy within the tribe who who took over the body of the chief Mm -hmm. and then outlawed the spirit walking thing and then like he took over the the tribe and then the, the the old chief was trapped in the spirit realm, and then he eventually was able to get into a like commune with a wolf and gained into a wolf body, and that's how he kind of won. Yeah. It, so it's big long. It's a cool story, and I get why it's like they left it out because it's complicated, right? And it would and, take a long time to. <laughs> and we need the story about the third wife, yeah, because that's something that's important directly to Bella, yeah, and later, yeah. And, so, and, yeah, I understand the decision to make some cuts. I, I did think that this was a point where the movie definitely leans on the viewer having read the book. A little bit, yeah, for sure. It definitely helps having read the book to know and already know the story he's telling because they yeah. do truncate it so much that it's a little like, oh, okay, we just get like the bare bones essentials of what we need. There is one little detail that's in the book that wasn't in the movie at the end of the story that I thought was a funny line um bella's thinking to herself as she's she, the story finishes and she thinks to herself i really i really wish they had remembered the name of the third wife and didn't just call her the third wife and i was like and that's one of those lines uh where you can tell and, and there's moments throughout these books that that i bet if you asked stephanie meyer she would consider herself a feminist what 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 flavor of feminist i don't know but i gu- almost guarantee that I mean, she would self-describe as a feminist. Probably the whitest kind. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yes. I think you're right. The whitest, uh, most religious kind. But I think she, I, I really do think she would, because uh, there are little moments like that where she has that sort of, 
I don't, I, again, I don't even know what wave of feminism is of like kind of vaguely like uh, talking about the plight of uh, women yeah, in, a, in, a, women in a patriarchal society. And being forgotten in history. Yeah, and, and that sort of thing. And, yeah. and, the, and, the, and, the, and then the atrocities that they suffered at the hands of men throughout society. We see that again with Rosalie's story later yeah. in the book. So like, you know, it's not like she's blind to that. So it is interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, she's a complicated. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's complicated. I think you are right. While I was reading that chapter, I couldn't help thinking to myself, like, I bet Stephanie Meyer doesn't even realize she's writing a colonialism metaphor right now. With which story? With the story of the second wife, because she talks about oh, the third wife. Yeah, or well, the third wife. There, yeah, there are multiple wives, but yeah. Um, when the female vampire shows up to avenge her mate. And she talks about how she has, like, brilliant golden hair. And she's, like, just this glittering, like, godlike woman who mm -hmm. shows up. And, like, then some of the Native Americans, like, fall down and worship her because <laughs> yeah. they think she's God. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's the direction we're going here. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, it does. It's funny because you could write that without even thinking about it because that's how current, like, that's just how everybody sees the vampires because they're, like, all, yeah. like, for whatever reason, when you get bit, you become a supermodel. There are apparently no ugly vampires. I don't know. At least the book seems to imply that that's the case. But They're all beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful vampires. Yeah. There's a scene. I think this happens after this. It's around this time. It's around this time. I was looking back at my notes trying to figure out because the movie moved so much stuff around. The movie around moves everything. That I was around. like, I don't even remember exactly when this happened. But there's a scene in the movie that's not in the book that shows uh, the character Riley yes. in Bella's house and like picking up, he picks up her shirt, yeah. which is something from the book. This he is, does yes. take her shirt. And I, I like that they put that in there, but I kind of wished the movie hadn't like pulled back and revealed that it was, that it was right. Riley. And they had just showed like some mystery person sneaking yeah. around her house. Yeah, that might have been better. It is. I have a whole thing about this later in another segment yeah. about the whole Riley plot and the two different ways the movie and the book handles it. Um, and it's really it's it's such a mess because it's a mess to me in both. Mm -hmm. Like it both the book tries to like make it a more central element to like Riley, a more central character. And so I think they wanted this recurring us seeing him and thinking mm -hmm. he's the one and trying to figure out what his deal is, whereas the book's mystery is like who at all is behind any of these things that are yeah. going on. Uh, whereas the movie's like, it's him, but what's his deal kind of like yeah. idea I think is, is where the movie takes it. I don't disagree. Cause that is sort of a fun mystery in the book is not knowing, knowing that somebody was in a room, but not knowing who, cause there's a, there's just a creepiness to that anyways. Right. Like, you know, there's somebody, he, somebody was here. We don't know who, and we don't even I, as a viewer. I really, don't know I who. feel, yeah, I feel like the movie missed out on an opportunity to do like a spooky, like almost horror movie esque little scene, yeah. in the middle of the film. Yeah, well, they do. It, you're right because they do that, but then it just doesn't work because we. It's not as we see him the whole time because, like, then he walks down and we see him like leaning over Charlie, and we're yeah. like, oh no. Um, and I don't disagree that maybe, but the, I think they were between a rock and a hard place with like, if we don't show who it is, we're going to have to explain this later who this That's is. That's true. And yeah. then it's not like, 
oh, that was... Then it's not an effective <laughs> scene, and like they're like, oh, I guess that was Riley. Like We have to flash back to this or something. You know, so They're like, oh, we can just show it now and show that it's this guy that we don't know who it is and don't know what his motivation is, and maybe that's the mystery of the scene, and that's what makes it scary. I don't know. Yeah, it's... That, we'll talk about it more later, but that whole plot is can, is kind of a mess in both, in my opinion. There is a nice moment in this, uh, and this is where I was really starting to be like, oh, Stephanie Meyer's really coming around to some extent in this book. And this is, uh, like I said, I think this, this book very much feels like a response to a lot of the criticism she got about the first two books, mm-hmm. um, is that Edward uh, pretty quickly on a dime becomes not a monster in this yeah. book. And we'll talk about it more in this book. The movie's different. Um, but there's a moment in the book where they're discussing her becoming a vampire and she's like, well, I should do it now because I, uh, I'm, I'm vulnerable now. Uh, yeah. these, these people are Victoria's after me. Um, there's, uh, the Volturi, all this sort of stuff. Uh, I'm just, a, I'm a liability. You should turn me into a vampire. And Edward says to her, he goes, look, I, I we, we're going to do it, but I don't want to do it when you're like, when you feel compelled by this threat of yeah something else like a, not because you're scared yes yeah i don't want thing. you to be scared into this choice i want you to make this choice because you want to not and i was like well you know that's and again a lot of those moments throughout the course of this book all feel like direct sort yeah, of like direct criticisms yeah. to how controlling and overbearing and overbearing edward feels yeah. in books one and two yes uh and that was just one of those moments and it's it's not a, they don't really discuss that aspect of when she's going to become a vampire in the movie so i threw it in Although it's it's complicated because the entire character of Edward is completely different in the movies. And we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a little bit. Um, and this is another specific line. This is after uh, Jacob kisses her in the book, which, again, this is all plays out so differently in the movie, in my opinion, uh, compared to how it reads in the book. Uh, Jacob uh, kisses her and Edward comes and he, he, he comes and confronts Jacob about it. And the scene happens in both the movie and the book. But the line in the book is that Edward says to Jacob, if she wants you to kiss her, I won't object, but you might want to wait for her to say it rather than trust your interpretation of body language. And that, again, that's another one. It's like all of a sudden, like, Stephanie Meyer is like queen of consent, um, kind of. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. In the, within the same book, it gets very messy in that regards later, which we'll talk about. But and that line's kind of in the movie uh, when Edward confronts Jacob, he says, don't touch her against her will again. I did prefer the book line because I, it, the added line of like, if she wants you to kiss her, I won't object. And like, it feels like he's but <laughs> he it feels like he's being less possessive. But then he immediately in the book after that line goes on to say she's mine. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, <laughs> you're going the right direction. And then uh, I don't know, <laughs> like, it's all such a mess. The The book really is just like goes back and forth between like oh look you're getting a little better with like the people not being creepy of controlling abusive <laughs> monsters and then it's like oh nope they are again ah i don't know what's going on <laughs> there's a couple little moments after bella breaks her hand when she goes to get it uh, set up by carlisle yeah she punches jacob yeah in the she face. punches jacob in the face and that breaks her hand so Edward takes her to see Carlisle. There are two Emmett moments. Ah, uh, yes. Um, one is that as she's coming up, she mentions that he's acting like a carjack to hold up the Jeep yeah, while he's holding Rosalie the Jeep up. <laughs> works on it, which yeah. I love. Yeah. Second was a change that the movie made 
um, when he sees that her hand is broken in the book, he says, oh, did you fall down again, Bella? Yeah. And in the movie, he says, were you trying to walk and chew gum? Ah. And I felt like the movie was more patronizing. A little bit, yeah. Like in the book, to me, it feels like he's just kind of ribbing her. Like playfully ribbing. But, and not... it, but in the movie, it felt a little bit like, oh, you're trying to walk and chew gum. Like, yeah. I feel like that's more of a dig on her intelligence. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in, a coordination dig, which they both are. But I don't. I see your point that it's it feels more mean spirited than yeah. fall down again. Yeah, I don't think this got mentioned no. in the movie. But when they first figure out that they're going to have to fight this newborn army, yeah. the first thing that Carlisle does is call the Denali clan. Yeah, in Alaska. The, in Alaska, the Alaska vampires who are friends of theirs. Mm-hmm. And the Alaska vampires won't help them because Irina was apparently shacking up with yes. Laurent yes. in the last book. And she's upset that Laurent yeah. was so she, So by. they're like, so they're basically like, well, we'll help you if you'll help us take out the werewolves. Yeah. And, and Carlo's like, oh, no, we that. can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're mad that the werewolves killed Laurent, or she is specifically, yeah. and so they won't come help. Yeah, they, they don't go into any of that trying to get help from other vampires in the, in the movie. They just um, very quickly form a, a loose uh, truce with the with the wolves. <laughs> we, we both had this note. Uh, Alice plans a graduation party because she is graduating from our, her and they're all graduating from high school, but Bella for the first time. And they're having a graduation party at the Collins house and, and Bella is preparing to get to the party and she's getting dressed and she's trying to find a top to wear. And and she wants to wear a red top, but a red top got taken by uh, we Riley. We find out eventually at the time in the book, they don't know, but it got stolen. And so like she's like, ah, my clothes are missing. I don't have anything to go with my khaki skirt. <laughs> the return of the khaki skirt. We both had the exact same note. Ah, the khaki skirt returns or <laughs> the return of the khaki skirt. It's like, Bella, it's your high school graduation party. Can you not wear a khaki? I mean, wear whatever you want, but come on. But also a khaki skirt. A khaki knee length, floor length skirt and a blouse. Uh, she ends up wearing uh, in the like, book. Alice a, uh, brings her something. A sweater to wear. and like a. Like a sweater and a skirt. A skirt or something. Set. Which I can't imagine anything that doesn't look mumsy. When you say to me, like, sweater skirt yeah. set. But, yeah. um, but Alice also has a line in that scene that I love. Yeah. She's like, for crying out loud, you only <laughs> own one skirt. Yeah. And I love the idea that not only does this khaki skirt exist, but it is the uh, only skirt <laughs> yes. that Bella owns. Yeah. Other than that, it's just blue jeans. Which, you know, wear whatever you want. But it is just funny that. That the floor length khaki skirt is such a it's only skirt. super funny because the, the when she wears it in the first one, Edward's yeah. like, You're the most beautiful woman that I've ever Which seen is in your amplified in your... by Stephanie Meyer being Mormon. Yes, yeah. 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 Oh, it's so good. There are a couple moments uh in the book where Alice and Edward act like siblings. I probably have this in the wrong place, but I couldn't figure out where to put it. Like there's uh, parts where like she's like he's trying to like elbow her and like mess up her hair, which I thought was cute. Uh, I I was really looking forward to the party scene in the movie and I was very disappointed. Yeah. The way it's described in the book, um it sounds much more entertaining. I felt like they missed a lot of like visual gag opportunities. Yes. 
They could have been a really funny, and they didn't have to do a lot no, of it. They could have kept it brief. Just a little montage, like yeah. a 15-second montage, you know, of, of character interactions. Because we have all the humans. All the humans. This is the first time I've all ever been to the Cullens. All the vampires. All the vampires, and then the werewolves show up. This is comedy gold, yeah. you guys. And the book kind of writes it that way. There, We have these yeah. moments. We have, there's like this awkward moment where Jacob and the pack walk in the front door and just like don't know what to do. And they're just standing there like awkwardly in the doorway. Um, and I was imagining like a record scratch or something, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what are they doing here? I don't know. Um, and then, and then, uh, then there's like all the humans interacting with, with the Cullens. Again, this has like been built up because everybody's talking about how like nobody ever yeah. goes to the Cullens no, The house. reclusive Cullens, nobody's ever been to their house. We don't know what it looks like on the inside. Yeah. And then on top of that, we get this, the description in the book is that Ed Alice has like crazy done up the yeah, house. Yeah, she's and like, like basically made it into a nightclub yeah. and there's like strobe lights and yeah. all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And there's one moment I love... Where Bella says, I saw Emmett grin at Mike over the food table, the red light gleaming off his teeth, and watched Mike take an automatic yes. step back. Like, that's a no-brainer. a no-brainer. Give us that three it's seconds. Three seconds. It's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially because Emmett would be, yeah, that's the perfect character. He's so good at, like, that type of, in the movie, he doesn't get a lot of it, but he does that type of humor really well in the movie. Yeah. That sort of uh, Ophi, like, you know. Shrek humor, for lack of a better <laughs> word. I don't even know. But, like, yeah, it, it really is, like, a no-brainer. And they didn't get any of it. The house just looks normal. Yeah. Which... They're and, just having a normal, boring party. It's just a party. normal, boring party. And the only, like, interaction we see is Bella talks to Jacob for a little bit. And then, uh, at one point, Jessica and Angela walk up and they talk for a few minutes. Yeah. But, like, nothing... There's no... I was like, what do... Oh, there's come nothing, on. You know who would be disappointed by the movie version of this party? Alice. Alice would be very disappointed. She would be so upset. <laughs> she really would. She really would. I mentioned it earlier, but they do train. So when they're preparing for the battle with the newborns, um, they they go to the baseball field to train, which it's a little thing, but it's like using those recurring sort mm -hmm. of sets kind of helps build up. Like when you're like in Harry Potter or something, when you keep, you know, when we although in Harry Potter, they change the layout of the grounds yeah. over the course of the movies a lot. But still, we get the courtyard is similar enough when we were in the courtyard mm -hmm. a few times, uh, you know, in the Quidditch pitch and all these places. Yeah. Um, and just going back to similar places kind of helps build up the world more to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, at the same time, you're kind of limiting your world. But there's something about like that is a thing people do. You go if you're this is the field where we go hang out in like or whatever. Um, and there's another moment later that the movie does good in that regard that we'll talk about. <laughs> but I thought this was a missed opportunity to not have them train uh, in the field. They're just like in the woods somewhere. Post uh, training and Bella having a conversation with Jasper about his backstory, which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. She has a dream about Jasper and uh, Maria. And in her dream, like Maria becomes Victoria and that's what helps her connect the dots in the movie. And I didn't really care for that. I don't know how much else, how else the movie would have done it. And it, honestly, it being a dream totally tracks for Bella. Yeah, she does have lots of weird dreams. But it felt so random to me as we were watching the movie. It is it is one of those things that we're not really sure what triggers her making that connection other than the conversation she had with Jasper about creating armies. Yeah. I think it works. I actually kind of liked that. I don't think I had it in better in the movie, but I did like, well, I have a whole thing later about the changes in the Riley story. Like right. I said, but 
Um, I didn't mind the way they did that of having it the moment that connects it be Bella realizing after hearing this story about Jasper uh, and Maria and how she was using Jasper as like this general of her army to like control all these newborn vampires. And then uh, Bella kind of connecting that subconsciously to all these newborn vampires. Oh, and uh, somehow that, I don't, they know about Riley, but like the, we, she, they haven't talked about it a lot. So I don't know how she would know he was, I, you I know, know, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but I didn't hate it. It also helps f- for the viewers. Like it helps tie those. Like I get it. And like I said, I don't know how else they would have like how, how I don't know how they would have done it differently. I, again, th- I, in my opinion, just the whole plot of this yeah. movie and, and book is so sort of shaky and like not, <laughs> not yeah. well put together that they didn't have very many it, it good just options felt like it felt randomly wedged into me and i am not a fan of it came to her in a dream as a trope right anyway i mean that's an issue that i've had with the series overall is that it, stephanie meyer leans on that a lot and in this case we get the movie leaning on it all of a sudden yeah so in the book edward buys bella a bed so she can stay at his house overnight comfortably when he kidnaps her when he kidnaps her yes which does not happen in the movie and we'll get to that but he buys her a bed and it's so gaudy it's like this wrought iron bed covered in wrought iron roses with like a shiny gold coverlet yeah and it's so painfully late 2000s edgy, and I really wanted it to be in the movie. I would argue that it is. I, I felt like the movie was just a regular bed with an ugly gold coverlet. It, what, does it have roses on it? It does. Are you sure? Yes, because I thought I noticed it. I hadn't read your notes, and I was like, it did. I noticed it in the movie. It's not what I would imagine. So in my head, when I read, I thought the headboard basically mm-hmm. was going to be this big elaborate ornate um, yes that's not what it is it's a banister bed but they're on the 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 top part oh that's not what above. i pictured it's not but i mean it is it is wrought iron and it has roses on it there it's just on the top like on the ceiling of the it's a what you call it like a four banister is it a banister bed whatever that's called like where they have the big poles that go up a four poster bed is that what it's called i don't I guess. know i don't know whatever where it has the big things and you can put like uh curtains around yeah. the side it's one of those in the movie and the top part does have like an like ornate wrought iron detailing with roses on it okay well then i will but it's not am- on the i will amend my note i wanted the exact horrible bed that i pictured right. in my mind yes I understand. I, I was just like, when I read that, I was like, well, I think it did have the roses, but it wasn't, I will say, I agree. It wasn't where I, th- I was expecting them. I was, I was headboard. expecting it to look like if you made uh, a movie, a horrible late 2000s movie version of Beauty and the Beast, and there was like yes. a wrought iron gate, and it would be, yes. it would be covered in wrought iron roses. Yeah. That's what I was imagining, but a bed. Yes. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, if they, if I would, I would imagine if they would just had the, the thing that was up above them just on the headboard area yeah. that I would that would have been kind of what I was viewing but Edward has such bad taste he really does he had just the worst taste he collects CDs like a fucking weirdo <laughs> uh we both have this note but the ring in the movie is hideous oh my god i will die on this <laughs> hill that ring is all wrong 
the text clearly describes a vintage Edwardian ring. I know that it does because I wanted a vintage Edwardian ring forever because they're so pretty. And that is clearly what is described in the book. And they changed it to make it easy to mass produce at different price points. And it is so ugly. It is hideous. It's the worst ring I've ever seen. It. I guess it does sound similar in the in the description now that I'm reading it again, but it is I envisioned something way less ugly than the one in the yeah. In the, so here's the description from the book. Exactly. The face was a long oval set with slanting rows of glittering round stones. The band was gold, delicate and narrow. The gold made a fragile web around the diamonds. I'd never seen anything quite like it. So that's it. In my head, I had originally read that as the when I read the face was a long oval, I had pictured that as a single stone and then mm-hmm. the the smaller the with the slanting rows of glittering round stones around it. But reading it again, I don't know if that is actually what the description is supposed to be. Okay, all of you listeners, <laughs> Google vintage Edwardian engagement ring, and you will see what will come up is a ring with smaller diamonds creating a pattern of some sort, and then there's usually metal webbing around it, like the freaking book describes. Yeah. And the movie version is so ugly. Oh, it is. It's hideous. It's so... I will die on this freaking hill. This is the worst sin of the movies. Her ring is so ugly, they don't even establish that the ring belonged to his mother in this movie. I don't think they do, yeah. No, they don't. Maybe they do in the extended version. I don't know. But it pisses me off. One, because I like vintage rings. Two, because they so clearly changed it to make it easy to mass produce. Oh, yeah, because you couldn't do that super easy. Yeah, it's just an ugly, plain fucking ring. You heard it from me. It's hideous, and I hate it. I also prefer the book proposal. Uh, In the movie, it's a much more, like, dramatic, like, classic sort of proposal like he gets down on one knee and tells this story and you know mm-hmm. does the thing and she and then he she jumps into his arm and she he spins her around and all that sort of stuff um in the in the book i unless i'm misremembering she she seemed much more reluctant still even though she says yes in that moment and she is like happy yeah um there, uh, Isabella Swanee looked up at me through his impossibly long lashes, his golden eyes soft, but somehow still scorching. I promise to love you forever. Every single day of forever. They kept that line in there. Will you marry me? Uh, will you marry me? Um, and then there were many things I wanted to say, some of them not nice at all and others more disgustingly gooey and romantic than he probably dreamed I was capable of rather than embarrass myself with either. I whispered, yes, thank you. He said simply, he took my left hand and kissed each of my fingertips before he kissed the ring that was now mine. And that's it. Like, in the, I don't know. In the movie, it just feels like they wanted to play up, like, the moment in a way yeah. that felt not in character. Yeah. For, at least for Bella, particularly. Uh, there's no cliche scene in the book where all the newborn vampires walk slowly out of a lake like they're zombies or, or like they're the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Because that was that's what that moment was, or their navy, like, or their navy seals going to assassinate Osama bin Laden or something like that. <laughs> Literally, uh, all of those things jumped into my head. Uh, they're definitely stealing on that that imagery, but mm-hmm. it's just all the newborns walk out of a lake, and I'm like, why are you in the lake? 
why didn't you go around the lake? You guys walk. F- it's a little lake. There's no reason for them to have been down there. Like when it happens in Pirates of the Caribbean, it's because they're like walking from the boat to the shore or whatever. Like, I don't know. I thought the whole thing was dumb. Uh, and that scene is not in the book. Um, there's a point in both the book and the movie where Jacob and Edward have a conversation. Um, we'll get to that later. I did want to point out, though, that the movie leaves out Edward's point to Jacob that he could always imprint on someone and have yeah. no choice but to leave Bella, which I thought was an interesting like thing to bring up. Yeah, I don't know. And like yeah. in the whole scope of that conversation about like, oh, which one should she choose? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Like what if you turn what if what it turns if, out yeah, you're what Leah Clearwater? You, <laughs> yeah, what if you imprint on someone and then you just leave her for nothing? Yeah. Or yeah, not your he's talking to Jacob in that moment. But yeah, what 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 if she ends up being your Leah Clearwater? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. This is a moment that I cannot believe is not in the movie because it's freaking hilarious in the book. During the big final fight, uh, Riley and Victoria show up and it's Edward and Seth Clearwater versus Riley and Victoria. And uh, Riley is facing off with Seth and uh, Edward's facing off with Victoria. And there's all kinds of stuff happening. And at one point, um, Seth does rip off Riley's arm or something. Mm -hmm. And that kind of happens in the movie. We see him rip his hand off at least. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Some stuff happens. I don't remember the exact context in the book, but Bella's like falling over and Victoria's running at her and she sees it's described as she sees something white streak through the air and hit Victoria and like knock her off course or whatever. And then like Edward catches up to her and and, and tackles her or something. And then, and then Bella realizes after she gets her bearings that it was Riley's arm <laughs> that Edward had chucked at Victoria's head. And I don't know how, I guess they thought it was too silly, but I'm really upset that they left out that detail from the fight <laughs> because they had Riley's arm get bit off and then he doesn't throw it at Victoria's head. And I was like, "You come on, guys. Oh, so disappointing. Something else from the fight scene that we both had a note about was that after Edward and Seth um, finish off Victoria and Riley, they work together to gather up all the pieces and to burn them. They burn the corpses and then they're like standing there gazing into the flames and they do a fist slash muzzle bump. This is... And that would have been so how, adorable. How do how, how this like, how do you not fire the entire writer's room I when know. this moment doesn't make it into the script? It's <laughs> such a cute moment. It, this is every this is this yeah, I mean this is Marvel like Marvel movie like humor moment in yeah. this thing before it, you know, not before it existed, but like um you know, this book came out in 2007. That's like around the same time as Iron Man came out. So it's mm-hmm. in that same ballpark. But yeah, this is that perfect moment for that 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 i just was astounded wouldn't i was i was i literally had put this moment in my the movie nailed it like I before was we watched prepared the movie. to see this happen yeah because it's something else like some of the other details that we've talked about it would have taken three seconds three seconds to put that in your movie you could even do it after the fact like you you know and, and take three seconds and it's and it's also it's just such a it adds some humanity and like extra yeah. layers to Edward and it's, it's cute. It's fun. It, it just makes no sense to leave it out. It makes no sense to not have some fist bump. Seth's nose. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. 
I was kind of disappointed that when uh, Bella and Edward get down to the battlefield and they see Bree, yeah. the newborn who surrenders, that she's not even acting like a newborn. Yeah. Like, she basically just sits there quietly. Yeah. Where in the book, she's, like, beside herself. She's, like, freaking out and trying to get to Bella. Like, yeah, like, like <laughs> screaming and freaking out. Yeah. And trying to get, yeah, trying to get to Bella. I also feel bad that um, Jodel Furland, that's her name, right? Jodel Furland, Jodel yes. Jodel Furland missed the opportunity to do that Go bit of acting. Top, yeah. yeah. To she's just, very, like, really throw herself into yeah. it. She's particularly young in this. So Jodel, I had to know about this later. We're talking about it because we're mentioning her here. Um, Brie is played, and I'd seen this when I was doing my movie research, and I was like, oh, I don't know who this character is, but that's interesting. But Brie, uh, who is the newborn who they, uh, who surrenders in the battle, basically, to the Cullens, and the Cullens are going to, like, bring her into the family. Um, uh, she's played by Jodel Furland in the movie, who is, uh, we had, we talked about it on our patron podcast. I can't even remember. Maybe even before we had patron. It might have just been on, like, a prequel episode. Yeah, I think we talked about it in a prequel. Yeah, uh, a show we liked a lot on Netflix that got canceled after, like, three, or not Netflix, on sci-fi, sci-fi that got canceled after, like, three seasons called Dark Matter. Um, she was one of the, the primary cast on that show. Yeah. She played five. I don't remember her other name. She was just five because um, they all had number assigned uh, assigned to them. Um, and she was a lot of fun in that show. And uh, I was like, oh, she's going to be in this movie. And she's in it for like 30 seconds. Yeah. But she's also like 12 or something. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the show we saw her and she was, I don't know, it was like eight years later. She was like 20 or something. But yeah, she didn't get uh, she didn't get to do much. She just kind of sat there and looked scared, which was a little disappointing. One last thing that I was sad didn't make it into the movie after Carlisle um, helps to patch Jacob up after he gets injured in the battle. He has a line. He says, I've never been to veterinarian school. Yeah. <laughs> that I thought was funny. I thought he said that in the movie. Did he not? I didn't catch it if I he did. I swore he did when they were... Maybe not. I don't remember. But yeah, he does say that in the book. Uh, he definitely does. It's a good line. All right. That was our shortest of these segments, I think. I think uh, now is the first hour of this episode down. Now let's move on to Better in the Movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. So I liked that the movie started with Riley becoming a vampire. It's the Mm -hmm. very first thing we open on is him running through... um, well, he's walking home or something, and he and then he starts getting chased, and he's running through the pouring rain in downtown Forks or Seattle. I'm not. He's from Forks, to be in Seattle. Yeah, I guess he's in Seattle, but he's from Forks. Um, and uh, it's a good hook, like to start the movie with. Uh, the book just starts with the where the movie start goes in the mm-hmm. next scene with like Bella going to try to talk to Jacob or whatever. And I think it's a good hook to get. You know, you're like, oh, what's going on here? Because we never see. Who's attacking him? I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's Victoria. At least to me, it feels like it was obvious <laughs> that it was Victoria. Um, but it's a fun, like, uh, little action scene. Um, and the movies we've talked about this before have always kind of done a better job of weaving in the the, the overarching sort of plot, quote unquote, mm-hmm. earlier in the movie. And sort of because we can leave Bella's perspective. God, yes. <laughs> we get to see things that happen that aren't just whatever Bella sees. Uh, so, and then this movie continues that, which I liked, um, cause in the book, Riley shows up in that last scene and it's like, we've heard about him once, but we're like, but who is who? this? Like he walks into the clearing and to, <laughs> to confront Edward and Bella and we're like, 
okay, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> like, when, hey, 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 you. <laughs> I don't know, okay. <laughs> Which I thought was, yeah, kind of silly. Yeah, I thought starting with Riley was a good idea. There were parts of it, that scene, that I felt like were maybe mildly overwrought. I don't disagree. But it was a good tease to the story that we maybe needed in the book but didn't get. Yeah. So I have this in better in the movie because this made me laugh so much when I read the book and it felt very sort of petty and um, a little too meta and maybe... (laughs) Like the movie was like, okay, we're not gonna put your like, we're not gonna do that. Your 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 screeching defense of I don't want to use the word screeching, but your 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 uh, your thinly veiled defense of your book series in our movie. Uh, there's this whole conversation that Edward and Bella have about Wuthering Heights in the book. Good lord, yes, <laughs> that is incredible. Um, we actually she reads some of Wuthering Heights in the movie. Like she, I think she reads like the I think that the fire the death by fire and ice. No, that's a Robert Frost poem. Then there's a different part where I'm pretty sure, I swear she reads something from Wuthering Heights at some point in the movie, but uh, we don't have the conversation about it. Um, It's one of her favorite books, Bella's favorite books, or at least she reads it a lot in the book. And uh, (laughs) Edward is like, he hates it. And he's like, the characters are ghastly people who ruin each other's lives. (laughs) And then it goes on from there. And I was like, oh, okay, very meta, Stephanie. I get what we're doing here. It goes on from there. It would be great, uh, this is Edward, it would be great if they had one redeeming quality. And Bella says, that's the point. Their love is their redeeming quality. And I was like, Stephanie Meyer, <laughs> come on. And it's just like I can imagine Stephanie Meyer just like angry typing at her <laughs> keyboard. She's like, oh, yeah. Well, if you think about it, Twilight's basically Wuthering Heights. Are you saying Wuthering Heights is a bad book? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just I laughed out loud reading that whole like two, two uh, page and a half or whatever. Um, it just felt, it just felt very, uh, it's uh, silly. Yes. <laughs> it's just clapping back at people <laughs> in your book and in a way that didn't, I don't know. It made me, it made me laugh a lot. There's a doozy of a line in the book that got left out of the movie where Bella is, uh, considering, um, her options for turning into a vampire because yes. Edward won't do it unless she marries him. Mm-hmm. And she's thinking about it, and she's like, I wanted his venom to poison my system. It would make me belong to him in a tangible, yeah. quantifiable way. Yeah. And I was like, woof. Yeah. We, I mean, the sort of uh, very obvious, like, virginity um, yes. analog is in the movie, but it's it's not leaned into as hard as it is in the book. And the book has some very choice, horrifying lines in that regard. And that is probably the one that stands out the most where it's just like, oh, God. Uh, all right. We're just we're doing that. We're talking about talking about venom, venom uh, poisoning you. I mean, because, that is, you know, if it's not clear that that the, the metaphor here is that her becoming a vampire is 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 synonymous with her losing her purity, Mm -hmm. which is synonymous with her having sex. Um, It's something, I mean, it gets into it in the book. She actually wants to have sex before she becomes a vampire so that she can do that as a human, that sort of thing. But um, very clearly, sort of symbolically, (laughs) Stephanie Meyer is tying uh, that loss of your virginity to um, the the process of becoming a vampire and you're becoming poisoned and then thus she her belonging to Edward because he's the one who put his poison in her like it's 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 not subtle and it's very problematic 
Uh, so there's a scene in the book and the movie where Bella kind of talks or Edward talks Bella into going to Florida. And we don't know why in, in either right away. He just sort of is like, hey, you should go to Florida. Remember those plane tickets my parents got you to go visit your mom? And she's like, no, I don't want to or whatever. In the movie, the reason I like the movie scene better is, and this kind of gets to Edward's different character difference overall, uh, which we'll get to, is that in the book, Edward brings it up to Charlie in the presence of Charlie, the fact that she has these plane tickets to go visit her mom, but then brings up the fact that he's going to go with her. And then Charlie tries to tell her he, she, he can't, or she can't. And this forces Bella to want to go now because she's fighting. Like she's arguing against Charlie and like him, like trying to control her. And Edward knew this was going to happen, so he essentially manipulates Bella in the book into arguing with her dad so that she'll go to Florida with him because that's what he wants her to do. And it it's very manipulative and gross. <laughs> like, And now it's not completely dissimilar in the movie. In the movie, he brings it up in front of Charlie, so Charlie's like, oh, that's a great idea. You should do that. Yeah. You're doing that? Great. Go. Um, and so he kind of does it to kind of force Bella's hand, but it doesn't feel nearly as manipulative in the, yeah. in the movie as it does in the book. And that, again, is by the nature of the fact that Edward is just not as manipulative and controlling of a character in the movie as he is in the book at this point, um, kind of over the courses of the whole movie. The movies kind of took the criticisms of Edward and Bella's relationship over the course that they've heard since, you know, and from the beginning of the movies mm-hmm. sort of course corrected Stephanie Meyer starts doing it in book three a little bit because of what she's been getting back. Um, and the movies were able to do it from the beginning. So at this point, Edward's already not as much of a terrible person yeah. and controlling person as he is in the book. Um, so I liked that more in the movie. Uh, I also thought so when they do go to Florida that getting her to see her interact with her mom was a mm-hmm. good idea. And then her mom gives her like this present of their old tour shirts or something uh, as like a quilt. Um, and, uh, I thought it was a good idea because we never literally, literally in the books, we never get a single interaction with her mom. Yeah. We so never far, see her interact with her mom. Not once. She talks about it in the scene in Florida, in the book, they're like, Oh, we're going to go. And then in the next, that chapter it like, ends, yeah, it jumps to them. Like, Oh, we had a great time in yeah. Florida. <laughs> it jumps from, we're going to Florida to we're back from Florida. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and in the movie, we actually see a, sh- a short scene with her talking to her mom. And I think it does help cement the sort of difficult choice she's making that she, by becoming a vampire, uh, the book talks a lot about her relationship with her mom. And like, she talks about mm-hmm. how much it's going to suck to not, be able to see her and be around her, but we never actually see it. <laughs> we yeah. never get it. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought the movie made a good call to actually show us a little bit of that. I thought the t-shirt quilt was really cute. Yeah. That's like a cute uh, memento of, yeah. of their relationship. Um, I also thought the movie made the good decision to kind of smash together two metaphors that the book uses. So in the book, her mom talks about how... Bella like orbits around Edward and like has this whole metaphor about like planets and moons and like when he moves you move yeah and then later on in the book there's this whole really wild scene where Bella's trying to force magnets together (laughs) and she's like she's like oh it's just like vampires and werewolves I can't force them together and the movie kind of smashed those together to have her mom be like 
it's kind of like magnets. Like when yeah. you move one, the other one moves. And I yeah. was like, there you go, movie. Yeah. Yeah, because in the book, she has the moment early in the book where she's, like, trying to force the magnets yeah. together, but there's no context for it. She doesn't think yeah. anything about it at the time. And then, like, months later, she's like, oh, I remember that time I was trying to stick those magnets together. That's like Jacob and, and Edward. It's like, oh, uh, okay. It was like that magnet thing, reading the book. I was like, wow, this is an overwrought metaphor, <laughs> yeah. Stephanie. Yeah, yeah. And it, Well, and it's one thing to have that moment in the book, and let the readers, and I get yeah. this is a YA thing, but to like have that moment where she's playing with the magnets and they won't go together, but then to like come back 300 pages later <laughs> and be like, now we need to explain that metaphor in perfect detail. It's like, nah, you could have just had that moment with the magnets, like, but okay. I love that the movie uh, shows us also the chase scene with Victoria yeah. while Bella and Edward are in Florida. Which is why they went to Florida yes, in the first place. Yes, why they went to Florida to get Bella out of town yeah. for this happening. And uh, they talk about it in the book, but we don't get to see it. Yeah, because we're with Bella. Yeah, so I like we get to see all of them chasing Victoria and then a little bit of the altercation between Emmett and Paul. And I, I really liked how the movie set it up, too, where there's like like a ravine kind of like a river a river and the vampires are on one side yeah. and the wolves are on the other and victoria is like hopping back and forth because they do talk about in the book that it's on the edge they're like chasing her on down like the border yeah but giving it like a physical like the border being a river makes you know yes. or like a small river or whatever makes yeah. a lot of sense and it's kind of extra frustrating because like when you're seeing it in the movie it's like, oh, you guys could have so easily herded yeah. and trapped her if you'd been willing to work together for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. could have avoided this whole damn thing. Which, which is, yeah, the movie goes on to kind of touch on and, you know, yeah. they, they kind of talk about that and uh, how, yeah, that's why they do ultimately decide to work together. But yeah, I thought it's it's a fun scene and it is nice. And, and, and that was one of those things where when I read the book, I was like, well, 100%, that's going to be something we see mm -hmm. in the movie because it's a whole action sequence that happens off camera, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, off out outside of Bella's perspective. So we don't get to read about it. We just kind of find out about it later. I really liked, and this is the whole thing, like I said, with, with Edward, um, is that uh, there's this moment in the <laughs> in the book and the movie where they show up to school and Jacob is there. Mm -hmm. uh, he rode his motorcycle to school and he's waiting because he wants to talk to Edward slash Bella. In the, in, the, in the movie, it starts out very similar where Edward's like, Edward's like, will you stay in the car? And she's like, no. And they get out and then they kind of, they have, Edward and Jacob have this confrontation and then Jacob starts talking to Bella and but it, they this is where they truncate a huge portion of yes. the movie here or a huge portion of the book in the movie. We cut out a huge swath of the a book. huge swath. And it's all like the problematic Edward kidnapping Bella parts, um, <laughs> like literally physically yeah. kidnapping Bella parts. Um, and uh, we jump right to. So in the book, this scene happens where she talks to Jacob, but then she she leaves and goes to school or whatever. And then. Um, and then Edward kidnaps her and all this stuff happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and then eventually she's able to escape and get to LaPush. Yes. There are she, a lot of red flags. Yeah, she gets she's able to escape and like on a whim, she gets on a motorcycle and drives to LaPush because she got let out of work earlier, whatever. Yeah. And, and so she's able to get to LaPush without Alice foreseeing it and that sort of thing. So she gets there and then her and Jacob have this conversation. This movie cuts out the whole kidnapping for like a weekend thing. And just has her go from school. So she actually literally just gets on the bike with Jacob and, they go. and goes to yeah. LaPush. And Edward lets her go. Um, he's not happy about it, but he lets her go. And I thought that was a really good change. Again, this mm -hmm. is the change in Edward where he's just not 
as controlling. Yeah. And he's not physically stopping her from like seeing another person, <laughs> another, another person. Uh, and then there's, cause there's another moment in the book is that after she, after she gets off work and she like illegally goes to visit Jacob when she's driving back at this point, Edward knows because Alice has seen it happen. He tailgates her all the way home, like a f- psychotic fucking cop in yeah. his car, like on her ass. And she's like terrified. And like, should I pull over? No, I'm going to go home first. And then, or no, she goes to Angela's house in that moment and she hides at Angela's house and she doesn't want to leave Angela's house. Cause she doesn't want to confront Edward and talk. And it's like, ah, so many red <laughs> flags. <laughs> this is an abusive relationship. And I, and, and again, Stephanie Meyer knows mm-hmm. uh, at this point. She realizes that because we get the turn eventually. But they cut all of that out and just make Edward kind of upset about it as opposed to, like, a nightmare person. <laughs> so uh, I, I did. I, I, I enjoyed cutting all of that nonsense yeah. out. The movie did add one line that I loved um, when we're uh, going back with all of this oh, like, yeah. uh, sharing Bella between Edward and Jacob um, when he uh, Edward at one point brings her to meet Jacob so that they can go hang out and Jacob of course is shirtless and Edward is like doesn't he own a shirt (laughs) yeah Yeah, drag him Edward it's a good line (laughs) there's a couple of those we got a couple more here later but like we said, we skipped the entire kidnapping sequence. And because mm-hmm. another thing that I didn't like in that is that Al- Alice is literally helping hold yeah, her she's, hostage. Um, yeah. She's like an accomplice. And it's like mm-hmm. she got bribed into doing it by by Edward buying her the yellow Porsche that she wanted from the first book. Um, it's complicated. I will say this because that character growth of Edward becoming less controlling and less of an asshole feels important in the book. Mm hmm. But it also, to me, felt very, like, unmotivated in the book. Yeah, he, he, just, he does a very quick heel turn. Yeah, he just is like, I'm literally physically keeping you from going places to, all right, you, we're good now. Like, Which, and I, part of me thinks that, like, maybe Stephanie Meyer just doesn't really know how to do character development. Yeah. Because with both Edward and Jacob, she blames so much of what they do on their vampire and werewolf natures. Yeah. Yes. Like so much of it. A lot of it, yeah. And and it's just and 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 the changes that they cuz they both undergo huge changes in this book where yeah. where Edward goes from being completely controlling uh, uh abusive or at least emotionally abusive, he's never mm-hmm. physically abusive, but um controlling asshole to uh, a very understanding yeah, to being and kind of reasonable. Very reasonable and 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 like a normal person. And then Jacob goes from being like a somewhat dopey like uh crushing on her kind of but like respectful mm-hmm. kind of dweeb to like literally like an, an raging incel yeah. over like that they like flip-flop in the book and the movie takes both of those kind of turns and like smooths them out into yeah. like a realistic smooths like, things out tamps things down yeah i i have more notes about it later i think in my final verdict and we'll talk because that's like my biggest sort of critique and of the changes is there those two characters and how they interact with Bella and, mm-hmm. and her character and that sort of thing and how the movie changes that. Um, so we'll talk about it more later, but yeah, I, I do prefer the movie's version. I think there is a moment in the movie or in the book that is not in the movie again, that I thought was a little too on the nose, maybe where <laughs> Jacob <laughs> talks to Bella about a news story. He saw about abusive teenage relationships as he's like discussing her and Edward's relationship. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, But then he just goes on to also be an abusive asshole. And I'm just like, 
what are we doing? I, all right, yeah. And I thought it was that was a good choice by the movie to drop that because uh, it's a bit on the nose. And again, it doesn't apply to the movie characters because they're just not the yeah. same characters that they are in the book. Yeah, it's a bit on the nose. And to kind of speak further a little bit to both of their heel turns and character changes, it did feel a bit to me like Stephanie Meyer was trying to quell Team Jacob yes. with this book. Yes. And the movie doesn't yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Oh, I felt the same thing. We talked about that as I was reading. I was like, because I, I sent you a text. I was like, oh, I got to that point. Fuck Jacob. Yeah. Like uh, when I was reading the book. And it very much felt like she was trying to throw that because she knew that ultimately Bella's ending up with Edward. So I need to like throw water on this this yeah. Jacob fire. So I'll make him into a literal monster, like for a, a few chapters in the middle, and then he'll never really apologize. And we'll just kind of uh, move we'll on. Kind of roll forward. Yeah. From there, <laughs> like, like, but it's enough that it's, it's so weird. Um, also, we get the whole thing where Jacob explains the imprinting thing mm -hmm. in the, uh, we get this. I have a scene in the movie nailed it because Jacob does explain that in the movie. But what he doesn't explain in the movie, and I was super glad uh, because it's in the book, is that Jacob explains that um, uh, Quill, I believe it is, imprinted on a two-year-old. Because yes. it doesn't, age doesn't matter. <laughs> you can just imprint on whatever. It's That's one thing, to have that be an element of your story. It's weird, just a weird choice, but fine, maybe. But then, like, goes on, and there's, like, this awkward scene of, like, Jacob trying to, like, explain it and justify it that feels really weird. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was, like, so not looking forward to that scene in the movie. I was like, I really don't need this scene of Jacob explaining why it's totally cool, man, that this dude's in love with a two-year-old. But it's not that kind of love. He just loves her like a parent. And then eventually he's going to want to have sex with her when she's old enough. Yeah, that Abby. makes it less weird. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like... <laughs> Uh, Stephanie Meyer, I don't know if there's any way to write this that's not weird. <laughs> like, I just, I'm not sure it's possible. And speaking of Jacob and how much of a monster he is in the book, the scene in the movie where he kisses her is the first time in the movie where he mm -hmm. kisses her to me is less rapey and awful in the movie than it is in the book. I don't I know. I mean, if we don't have to read a line about him forcing her mouth open. Uh, the, so the whole thing is that whole the scene whole is a scene nightmare. Is just horrible. It's just a nightmare. Yeah. He literally, um, I mean, but it's not better later. I will say that the scene with them later isn't a whole lot better where mm -hmm. it's supposed to be better. It's not in my opinion, but he, he's just like less of a creep in the lead up to it. Uh, he does, she doesn't actively say no. She starts saying in the book, she starts saying no. And then yeah. he kisses her. N I started to object, but it was too late. His lips crushed mine. Uh, trigger, <laughs> trigger warning in case this is like, <laughs> this is a problem for you. Um, his lips crushed mine, stopping my protest. He kissed me angrily, roughly his other hand gripping tight around the back of my neck, making escape impossible. I shoved against his chest with all my strength, but he didn't seem to notice. His mouth was soft despite the anger, his lips molding to mine in a warm, unfamiliar way. I grabbed at his face, trying to push it away, flailing again. He seemed to notice this time, though, and it aggravated him. His lips forced mine open, and I could feel his hot breath in my mouth. Like, that's... Ew, Stephanie. That's literally... And, and she knows. Like, she's not... Doesn't think that's not bad. Yeah. Like, at least to some extent. I don't know if she knows how 
bad it is, but she, at least to some extent, because there is some vague attempt at an apology in the book. But the movie version seems less that. Yeah. Again, we're not getting Bella's thoughts, so maybe that's why. It's not that it's not bad in the movie, but she... The buildup isn't as creepy to me feeling like he doesn't. And then and then we he doesn't feel like she's fighting as I, it, I'm i not trying to. I don't know. Talking about it and justifying <laughs> it, it all. Feels, but to me, when you watch the scene in the movie, I read that scene in the book and I was like, what? the? He's just a villain now. OK, great. Like, he's literally just a villain now. And then he's not in the movie. I'm like, OK, he's ugh, it's bad, but it's not that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. And I put this in better in the movie. I don't know if it's better or not because it's a little more subtle in the it, movie. It's more I think. subtle in the movie. And and I the other thing in the movie is that he actually legitimately apologizes to her. Yeah. Like legit apologizes afterwards in, in a way that feels like a real apology. Uh but she does punch him in both. Oh, and then he says after she punches him, uh, and this is another thing that it's kind of in the movie, but it doesn't feel as weird as it does in the book. She punches him and breaks her hand. And then she goes, you broke my hand. And he goes, no, you broke your hand in the in the book. And I was like, ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, you just turned Jacob into a literal villain. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, it's just it's just a straight up nightmare. And then the, another thing that the movie doesn't do that the book does is after she goes home and can and uh, Jacob goes home with her and there's the confrontation with Edward and stuff. Charlie's there and. Charlie's like, what's going on? And 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 Edward or Jacob goes, I kissed her or something like yeah. that. And Charlie says, good for you, kid. No. Even though she's like clearly no, sobbing and upset. Like <laughs> it's, it's all so bad. It's all so bad. Oh, uh, it's all it's all a nightmare. Um, and the movie version is just less of a nightmare. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's just. Less of a nightmare. Less. So hooray for you, movie. Oh, man. Uh, I liked that the movie included some brief interludes to the newborn army in Seattle. I liked that we got to yeah. see that here and there. Um, I The movie added uh, having Charlie be searching for the missing person, Riley, um, and then that kicking off some anxiety for Bella about what to tell people when she effectively disappears. Yeah. I thought that was a good way to work that in. Let's talk about the double cross with the Volturi. Yeah. So when I read this book back in the day, um, I didn't read that as like purposeful. Like, when they show up at the end, I read it more as them doing, like, a, well, let's wait and see and maybe we'll get lucky kind of a thing. Yeah. Now, I read The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner for this episode. Yes. You did not. I did not. But I did. I had never read that before. And that book shows Jane and Felix actually going to Victoria's hideout and proposing that they orchestrate this double cross to get rid of the Collins. Now, the movie does reveal that Jane is planning to try to double cross, but doesn't... When you say double cross, what do you mean? That they're, like, purposefully not doing their job... Yes. ...to try and get the Collins yeah. wiped out. 
So the movie has them like. I got like, that from the book. But. Right. I got that. I'm going to try to explain what I mean by this. Okay. Because that's why I'm a little confused. That's why I'm just trying to clarify. So what I got from the book was that like it wasn't something they necessarily like planned in advance. But it was more like a, we're just going to like procrastinate oh, yeah, what I guess. we're supposed to do. Whereas. I definitely did. Sorry. I definitely didn't see them coordinating with Victoria in any way. Yeah. That wasn't how I read it. I read it as they knew this was going on. They were procrastinating, but they were, it wasn't like by chance. It was like specifically like we're going to show up and, but because it's a thing Bell, uh, Edward mentions in the movie. And I don't actually remember if he mentions it in the book. And I thought it was a good reminder in the movie is that. Arrow, Arrow wants Edward and Alice to like join yeah. the Volturi. And so, but he knows they won't join if the Colons are all like, yeah. if they have their family still. And I thought that was a good reminder in the movie that I don't think is in the book from my memory. He does talk about does that. Does he? Book, okay. Yeah. Um, but so I, even when I read the book though, I did get the idea that their, the Volturi showing up late was very much like a on purpose, mm-hmm. not like any sort of just like, uh, but I didn't, think that they were coordinating with Victoria in any way. Well, in the movie, that's how they do it in Short Second Life of Brie Tanner. Right. Which is a a companion novella to Eclipse that was published in 2010. The movie doesn't really do any of that. The movie shows um, Jane and company like watching Watching. the newborn army in Seattle and talking about how she's just going to like let them do their thing and let it play out, which... I thought made sense. That was maybe a little closer to how I read it in Eclipse. Yeah, me too. Um, so I preferred the way that the movie did that. I think what your point to your point, I think adding that scene sort of cements yeah. th- what the motivation of Jane and stuff yes. and the Volturi in the book is with that extra scene with them watching the newborns, which is the scene we couldn't get in the right. book because we can't leave Bella's perspective again. And I, I liked that the, the that scene in the movie also cements that she was the one calling the shots as far as that and that she wasn't consulting Arrow yeah. as far as that whole plan went. I hate that his name is pronounced Arrow and not <laughs> Aro. I feel like it should be Aro. I also feel like it should be Aro. I hate that it's Arrow because it's just a different word. Ugh, I hate it anyways. <laughs> I had a love-hate relationship with uh, Jessica's graduation speech in the movie. It's not in the book. It was, like, so on the nose. Yeah, Jessica made sense for her. But I also, (laughs) I loved it because they nailed uncreative graduation speech. They nailed it. Yeah. You did it, guys. Which is hilarious, too, because they're all ribbing her. Yeah. Give it, earlier in the movie, they're all like, she's trying to come up with what to write, and they're all like feeding her stupid cliches. Yeah. And then she ends up writing a different stupid cliche speech. Like it's yeah, yeah it, it's a fun scene that yeah, it's uh, gave Hannah Kendrick something to do in these yeah. movies. <laughs> and I mentioned it, but Jacob at the graduation party actually does apologize for the thing, and not only does he genuinely mean it, he one of the things you mentioned earlier is that Stephanie Meyer tends to it seems sort of write off some of their more negative Edward and yeah. Jacob's more negative character traits as like a side effect of their right. specifically like or, where I see it is Edward's like obsession and controlling nature tends to get written off as, Oh, it's part of his nature as a vampire. And then Jacob's temper temper. Yeah. 
and anger, yeah, uh, and sort of impulsiveness. Yeah, or whatever. it's because he's a werewolf. Because he's a werewolf. It's fine. And and there's a moment in this movie that it kind of confronts that. That's not a line in the book where Jacob, when he apologizes to Bella about kissing her, um, and again in a scene that is much less offensive than it is in the book. Uh, I say my, is less obnoxious than it is in the book. He apologizes and he goes, "I'd li-, he says explicitly, I'd like to blame it on my werewolf temper or something, mm-hmm. but it, it was just me being an asshole or something like that. So he actually addresses that specific critique, which I thought was a good, sort of a good line and um, does help you move down the path of not completely hating Jacob. Yeah. Whereas the book just doesn't, I feel like he never properly apologizes for any of the terrible things he does. No, he doesn't. Bella just kind of like forgives him. Oh, because Jacob. she hates herself, so she's yeah. like fine. <laughs> like she, she, she has such I low self I can't stay mad at you, Jacob. Yeah, so she just kind of forgives him, even though he like didn't really apologize, uh, which is a little disappointing. But also, Jacob doesn't lick her face like a fucking weirdo. It's another one of those moments where it's like after we just did a scene. Where in the book where he kisses her without her, her, and I get that it's like a fun gag because he's a werewolf yeah. in this scene, but there's a, where they're at the training thing or whatever, and uh, he just like licks her face and she's like, Bleh. yeah, and I think that's a good point because it's easy to read that scene as like funny and cute, yeah, but it is still him, it's still him. And, and he is still essentially kissing her without, without her permission. Her permission. I, and it's like we just got it. We just talked about this book. Come on, uh, and yeah. And the and the move book just plays it off as like a fun little joke. And it's like that's yeah. still the same thing still. Okay, great. I liked the movie's decision to move Jasper's backstory to later in the story overall. Yeah. We get his backstory like kind of early-ish in the Earlier, book. For Earlier. Sure. Well, they cut so much. Right. It- they cut so much, but I thought it was a good decision to move it. They move it to after the training, the training scene, yeah. which I thought made a lot of sense well, for them to be talking about it right then, around that time. We were discussing as we were watching it, we had got to the training scene and we were like, are they just not going to do Jasper's yeah. backstory? That's weird. And then they did. We're like, oh, okay. Because we were like, maybe it's in the extended version. It feels a little important, at least. Well, I because I turned to you because they keep, like, before we know his backstory in the movie, they keep deferring to Jasper yeah. for how to fight the newborns. And I turned to you and I was like, boy, if I hadn't read the book, I would have no idea why, <laughs> like, why he's an he's expert. An expert, yeah. Yeah. And they, and, and, yeah. And then we're like, so we're like, uh, and, but then that is Sparks Bella's question yeah she, she actually asked him she's like why how do you know so much about all this stuff um and yeah we get his backstory i, I don't disagree i think it, it comes in at a fine time mm-hmm. also because you have so many flashback stories in this book yeah and they have to keep they keep all three of them like the three mm-hmm. main ones rosalie's um jasper's and the the the, the quilly story yeah. they keep all of those in the movie and in the book, they're closer together narratively. Mm-hmm. And if we, it was in the movie, we'd have so many flashback stories. Back, they had to spread them out a little bit more to kind yeah, of make no, it. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. There is a line in the in the movie that I love that uh, I don't remember being in the book. Uh, and this is when uh, they're freezing on top of the mountain. Um, at the end, uh, Bella goes up into a tent uh, to hide out during the battle so that they don't find her. <laughs> and she's freezing overnight, and Jacob comes in. Uh, and because there's some line about needing a heater or whatever, and Jacob comes in and he's you know he runs his body temperatures like 109 degrees or something like that, and he walks in and I don't remember what the setup for this is, but he turns to Edward 
and says, well, I am hotter than you, and then crawls into the <laughs> sleeping bag with Bella. And that's the kind of dialogue this movie and this franchise deserves, which is that perfect, like, cheesy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, <laughs> oh, self-aware, but, like, still works in the moment. Like, ah, does that that kind of dialogue, I was like, we need more of that in these movies. And there's a little bit of it here and there. Speaking of Jacob just being also less of an asshole in the movie, um, the whole big confrontation before the battle, I wrote a, three pages on yeah. this. Um, you have a dissertation here. I had to have a dissertation here. But this scene is so awful in the book. Um, all, we've already had the moment where he's forced to, for, uh, like, kissed her without her consent uh, as she was protesting and stuff, and then he kind of vaguely apologized. Uh, and then they had this night in the tent together. And things are kind of back to normal. But she realizes she needs to break up with him and, like, tell him it's over because she's going to be with Edward because she's agreed to uh, marry him. And then he hears the proposal and he freaks out, but she wants to talk to him about, like, he freaks out and is, like, losing his mind. And she's like, can you go get Jacob? I want to talk to him. And, like, she chases him to talk about this. And in the book, Jacob is incredibly manipulative and, Mm -hmm. like, horrifying in this scene. Um, in the, in the book, he literally threatens to die in the battle to make things easier on everyone, which is what he says in the movie. But the way it's presented to me feels vastly different in the book. It's very clearly, I'm going to kill myself Yeah. versus in the movie. It's like, ah, you know, if I died, it would just make it easier for, it's like an exasperated, like sort of self pitying thing. Mm -hmm. Like, but it doesn't feel manipulative. And I think that's the thing that's the big difference is. And then he literally kind of forces her in the book. He's like, gets to the point where he essentially manipulates her into asking him to kiss her. Yeah. And it's not entirely different in the movie, but again, the, the deft hand of the writers make it feel worlds (laughs) apart. I think is what it is in the movie. He's like hurt because he finds out that they're, that they're engaged. Uh, He's being selfish, but he's not actively like manipulating the situation. At least it doesn't feel like it. He's just upset. Uh, In the book, there's a line after she asks him to, (laughs) after she asks him, she's like, kiss me. Uh, He kisses her. And then this is the line. I could feel his anger as his mouth found my passive resistance. I that's wah. Again, this is after he's like already we've done this once already. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my God. Um, and then in the mo- in the book, she just like realizes she loves him after he like angry kisses her long enough and then starts kissing him back. And I just I also hate that she just like this whole time he's like, I know you love me. And like he basically just talks her into like she apparently this whole book. And this whole time, she's just been lying to herself about the fact yeah. that she loves him. And I don't necessarily, I guess part of it that helps in the movie is that we're not privy to Bella's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Because in the book, when he says, you've been lying to yourself about how you feel about me and that you actually do love me. I, me as a reader in him, like, bullshit, I've heard all of her thoughts. She doesn't <laughs> think of you that way. 
Yeah. Whereas in the movie, we don't know what she's thinking. Most, you know what I mean? Right. We can see her performance and we can kind of see. Yeah. We get like voiceover lines every now and then, but we are not privy to her thoughts the way that we are in the book. Yeah. And we hear so often in the book about how she feels on like a brother and how she does love him, but it's not in that way. And so, and it doesn't ever feel like we don't, we don't have moments in the book where like, Ooh, she had a sex. Maybe there might be one. I don't remember. I don't want to say that, that there isn't, but I feel like there isn't. I don't think she ever has a sex dream about Jacob. You know what I mean? Or like <laughs> about kissing him or anything. Like, I yeah. can't remember, but I, I don't think there is. And so like, to me, it felt like when he's like, and then she's like, oh, you're right. I was lying to myself. I'm like, well, what? no, I was in your head. Like, <laughs> and again, there's a difference to me. And nah, it didn't feel like she was lying to herself in the book. It right. just feels like he literally like talks her into it. Well, yeah. And I think. Even beyond all of that, there's a missed opportunity here, and it doesn't surprise me that Stephanie Meyer missed this opportunity, but there's a missed opportunity to have a conversation about love and different kinds of love and how you can love somebody like a sibling, and that can be just as strong as romantic love, or how it's okay to love your friends. You can love somebody like a friend, and we really missed an opportunity to talk about that, yeah. about how, yeah, she does love him, but yeah. she doesn't love him the same way she loves Edward. Well, and I also think there's, and this is why I think it's more effective in the movie, because I also think you can have, and I think this is what Stephanie Meyer ends up kind of going for, is you can also, at least I'm of the opinion, just romantically love multiple people. Like, that's not yeah. outlandish. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of what Stephanie Meyer's going for, but then with Stephanie Meyer's, like, puritanical religious sort of rules, it you can't, so, like, you know... It's not possible. Um, and I think the movie's version of it is, and, and it's the line that happens afterwards, and I have a note about it here, is that after she goes back and she kisses him and does realize that she loves him, and again, in the movie, it kind of works because we're not in her head all the time, so her mm-hmm. kind of coming to this realization just feels more natural. And also, he's not as much of an asshole, so it just also is like, I don't hate him, so I don't hate that she also loves him as much. But uh, she goes back to Edward in the movie, and she says, and he says, you love him. And she says, I love you more. And Edward says, I know. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a similar-ish conversation in the book. But the thing to me is that the love triangle plays out so much better in the movie because it feels like it was written by a human and not a Mormon alien. Like, it's the... <laughs> Like, I don't know a better way to describe it. Like, they just, the way they all interact with each other feels like how actual humans interact with each other most of the time. In the mm-hmm. mo- not all the time, but most of the time in the movies, especially compared to, like, the turn-on-a-dime emotional swings of, not even emotional swings, like, just pure, like, flip-on-a-switch, like, now I'm an incel. <laughs> like, what is going on? And now I'm going to, I'm going to, like, uh, uh, assault you type of thing. Just And it, there's even a place for that. I think there's even a place for the story of exploring somebody you thought you could trust and and that you thought yeah. was this a certain way ending up being an actual horrible person and you not but that the book doesn't do that either because she still just kind of like vaguely forgives Jacob and is fine with him and it goes on from there. Uh, it's it's all just such a mess um and I I just I really think that I actually really like the idea of exploring the complicated relationship, especially at a young age or at any age of, of the feel the complicated feelings of loving multiple people at the same time and in different ways, but then both being some vague version of romantic mm-hmm. love. I think there's a, a, an interesting like 
There's something interesting there. There's an interesting story there. I think absolutely Stephanie Meyer's not the person to write that story. <laughs> uh, but I think there's something there. And the movie does a little bit better job. I still don't think it's great because they have to follow I mean, most of the story they're working beats. with what they were given. Yeah. But it's it's so... The book is just... it. I don't know, man. It, the book's a nightmare uh, in in this regards, and the movie's slightly better. So I have I have that is better in the movie. Um, we get a reveal during the fight with Victoria and Riley that Victoria chose Riley because he's from Forks, which is not something that we know about him in the book. And I thought that made a lot of sense um, beyond just like having that be a way to weave him into the story earlier. Like it, it, yeah. it makes sense that she would choose somebody from Forks because he knows the area. Yeah, that's not mentioned in the in yeah. the book at all. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we get to see the battle again. This is another thing where it's like, in the book, El- Bella's up on the mountain, and we get a radio play by play of the battle, um, uh, which I did have in the movie nailed it. Is that Edward gives like because he's mind reading uh, Seth Clearwater, who's mind reading the wolves who are in the battle, so we can just know what's going on. Uh, but we get like uh, he's doing his best uh, Harry Carey impersonation, giving them a play by play. And then uh, but in the movie, we actually get to watch the battle, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some fun moments. There's like Jasper going crazy and like diving off people and ripping heads off. And I also thought it, and I was interested to see how they were going to do this. And it makes perfect sense because so often does Bella describe Edward specifically as being like he's made of marble. Yeah. When and when vampires are getting their limbs ripped off and their heads ripped off, it's like they're pulling statues apart. Yeah, it looks like chunks of rock. And it sounds which like which is it, kind of how it's described yeah. in the book. Too. Yeah, it is. But it kind of sounds like it too. Mm-hmm. You hear like the like breaking of rock and stuff like that. Um, there's also a fun moment where like Jacob, I think it's Jacob. I, I can't. One of the wolves is like being swarmed by vampires, and Emmett runs over and like rips them all off and like breaks one in half, and they look at each other and like nod. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> That's kind of like the fist bump moment, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, they, yeah, they like they give them they give each other like that, like yeah, and then they like go break more <laughs> vampires in half. And then Bella comes down in the book when Jacob gets injured. Mm-hmm. Bella is still up on top of the mountain. Yeah, we hear it through Edward. Through Edward, like Edward reacts uh, and Seth reacts, but she doesn't know what's going on. And I also found it very frustrating and annoying to read because you're like, what is happening? I yeah, ah. it's, it's hard. To it, his play-by-play is not good. No, because he just starts <laughs> screaming, and I'm like, "Wait, so what's I'm going like, yeah, on? Yeah, what happened?" And and I guess that's the point we're supposed to feel like Bella does in that moment because she doesn't know what's going on, but it still was a little like yeah. frustrating and confusing. Uh, whereas when she gets down there, uh, there's still a vampire who's alive and grabs Jacob and squeezes him and breaks half the bones in his body. Yeah, I thought it, it made sense to have Bella actually be there to witness him getting hurt. Although I thought it didn't I thought it didn't make sense that there would still be one newborn like lurking around. Yeah. I feel like that's a little bit like of a okay, that doesn't really make sense, but yeah. whatever. I mean that is kind of what happens in the book, but we don't see it, so we don't know how it played out. Yeah. Yeah. I also and again, I think this is just because Jacob's not a complete nightmare person in the book or in the movie, is that the scene with Bella and Jacob at the end where he's injured in bed, uh works much better for me in the movie mm-hmm. um there's a line that's in the book but it's in the movie and it actually works because i don't hate jacob uh and he says you know it your the relationship our relationship would be a lot easier than being with jacob you don't have to change for me uh it would be as easy as breathing if you were with me and that sort of thing and i, I thought their whole dialogue worked really well and i again a lot of it is like verbatim ish mm-hmm. from the book 
But for me, it's like, well, I don't hate this Jacob. The book Jacob I hated. So none of this dialogue works for me because you should just hate him. But movie Jacob, I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not as bad. So this stuff kind of actually works. I thought there was a nice moment at the end, a handshake between Carlisle and Billy. Yeah. It's kind of a a more solid truce mm-hmm. kind of moment. Uh, this is the thing I mentioned earlier about how they didn't reuse the baseball field as a recurring um, setting, which we do happen, which does happen in the book. But something they do reuse in the movie, which they don't do in the book, is that Edward and Bella like hang out in that field, the clearing mm-hmm. where she first sees him in the sunlight. Yeah, it's like their special place. Yeah, and it makes sense. And it's just I don't know why it's never described in the book as them ever being there. At least it's never described as them ever hanging out there. It seems like they're always at like I Edwards they or Bella's. Were in the field in this scene in the book. I didn't think they were. They maybe they were, but I could be wrong. I was I was cruising through this last part, so it's possible that I missed it. But um, I did not think they were. I thought they were just like in one of their bedrooms or something. If so, then this can be a movie nailed. It. If not, <laughs> then better in the movie. <laughs> I also really like Bella's monologue at the end. That's my last note, mm-hmm. uh, which is not from the book. We get a little bit of this in the book where she kind of explains. Edward is like frustrated with her about doing going through with the wedding and doing everything Alice wants and stuff because she's still not doing it for her, essentially. Like Mm -hmm. she's still doing what other people want and that sort of thing. And he kind of confronts her about it. And I like the movie gives her this monologue about not only does she want to become a vampire so she can be with Edward forever, but because when she's part of his world, she feels stronger and like better. And it just makes her feel like. Like makes, she belongs you know, like there. Like she belongs yeah. there. And it's more about her feeling of empowerment and stuff, which I I, I liked. And I don't mm-hmm. remember that that monologue from the book. I'm going to try to double check while you talk about what you're going to talk about. But. Yeah, you could say a lot of things about Bella. There's a lot to say. But she knows what she wants. And despite having no power compared to all of the magical boys that are surrounding her, she negotiates her way to getting what she wants. And that does include power of her own. And I I think that's really interesting. And I think that's something that critiques of Bella tend to ignore. Yeah, I agree. After he confronts her about why she's doing it and that sort of thing, um, he then tries to potentially have sex with her and she stops him, which is it's always been the other way around. And they don't do that in the movie. And then she goes on to say, uh, Edward, this is very important to me. I am going to do this right. Whose definition of right? Mine. He rolled onto his elbow and stared at me, his expression disproving. How are you going to do this right? I took a a deep breath responsibly. Everything in the right order. I will not leave Charlie and Renee without the best resolution I can give them. I won't deny Alice her fun if I'm having a wedding anyway. And I will tie... And I will tie myself to you in every human way before I ask you to make me immortal. I am following all the rules, Edward... Your soul is far too important to me to take the chance with. You're not going to budge me on this. Um, and then that's kind of, they just like kind of chuckle at each other. And then they talk about Charlie mm-hmm. going home to tell Charlie. But to me, that still feels like in the book, she's talking a lot about what is good. At, she, she's still talking a lot about like, like doing things to please other people, but she's yeah. just doing it like through her own agency. I don't know. Whereas the movie like very explicitly makes it like about her what she's interested, like how yeah. it makes her feel to like why she wants to be. I, I just like that change. I think it's a lot better in the movie. Oh, that was our better in the movie segment. Let's go ahead and talk about what the movie nailed. 
As I expected, practically perfect in every way. That Robert Frost poem. Yep. It's at the beginning of the book. It's at the beginning of the movie. And of course, Stephanie Meyer starts with the Robert Frost poem that every high school girl thinks is like so deep. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Bella does mention in both the book and the movie that she doesn't want to get married because she thinks she's not that kind of girl. She's uh, smart and responsible and those people don't get married at 18. Uh, she's not entirely wrong. I think her reasoning in the, in the book and the movie is a little like dumb and elitist. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea not to get married that young in general just for like wisdom and like worldliness reasons as opposed to like this is what dumb people do like that's a dumb reason but like (laughs) but like the idea of it's you know it's a better idea to kind of see the world and meet other people and you know you're just so young that the marriage thing with her is so funny to me because i get it and i agree but also you've spent the last two and a half books gunning to stay frozen at 18. Yeah. So like, yeah, where are we here? Yeah. The note. Oh my God. That's <laughs> <laughs> note from Jacob. They this have so insane. This is my first note that I took in the, in the book as I was reading. And I could not believe it was in the movie is that Jacob writes Bella note. And in the book, you're reading it and it's like the handwritten you know yeah, like it's when like you're, handwriting font yeah so it's like you're actually reading the note and it's it's like a sentence and then that sentence is crossed out and then it's another sentence and that sentence is crossed out and it's like five of those yeah and they're each kind of different and then the last one is jacob says something whatever he's yeah. like i'm sorry it worked out this way uh doesn't change anything doesn't change anything jacob and he gave her that note and what 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 person would do that? What person in the world would write six lines, six versions of a note and, and just cross them out with one single line so that you're still able to read and then give the whole note to the I don't even And it, it's well it's hilarious because you know exactly what Stephanie Meyer wanted in this moment. Right. She wanted a scene where Jacob was writing notes yeah. and he would write something and then oh, crumple stupid. it up and throw it. Yeah. And then he would write another note and crumple it up and throw it. But she can't do that <laughs> because she's trapped us in Bella's perspective. Yes. So instead, she writes this absolutely insane person <laughs> note where he's crossed out all of these lines like it's a weird avant-garde poem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then gave it to her. Oh, it's so strange. No one would do that. And the movie, I convinced the movie kept it in strictly because of how stupid it was. Yeah. They were like, we have to keep this dumb detail in because it doesn't, they never address, she never reads it out loud. She yeah. like grabs it out of a drawer and we see it. And then she like puts it in her pocket and goes to visit Jacob. Like we don't, we never see I like to think that the writer's room was like, this is so stupid. Yeah. We have to keep yeah. this. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Um, so the only time in the movie that Edward actually like is the most controlling and actually physically stops her from seeing Jacob is the very beginning where she is trying to go visit Jacob and uh, her truck won't start. And it's because Edward has removed the battery mm-hmm. from her truck. Uh, and that is the same thing that happens in the book. And the movie does do that. So that is at least a little they, the movie does have to give us somewhere for him to go from. Like, so, yeah. you know. It's not kidnapping her and holding her hostage because that's insane. But it is, uh, you know, I sabotaged your truck so you can't, which is definitely controlling and and bad. Mm -hmm. 
um, mm-hmm. but it's not as bad as like physically kidnapping the person. So it gives us a starting point. If your significant other does that to you, do not stay in that relationship. No. Get, get out. Get out. Absolutely get out. The Jacob reveal yeah, when oh he's waiting God. at school. We both started laughing yes, at this loud, in the movie. Chuckling. <laughs> Um, because it's it's in the book is like where they pull up out in front of the school and obviously it's a book so there's no music but if Stephanie Meyer could have written yeah, if the she soundtrack could have included into the, <laughs> a little sound button yeah, for that part it would have played the soundtrack that the movie plays in this moment because it's this great like rock music yeah. cue like badass like like um so cool uh James Dean rock music cue thing as he's standing there in his black t-shirt. Um, and it totally fits how cheesy the moment is because it mm-hmm. reads the same way in the book. You have a quote here from the well, oh. where it was this, it was something that struck me as so odd oh, as I was yeah. reading where Bella, they're pulling up and she sees Jacob and she's thinking about how he looks dangerous and scary. Yeah. Like she's like, oh, he must look really scary to everybody else. Yeah. And she's like all six foot seven inches of Jacob's long body. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a weird way to put that. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. And like, why would she know that? Yeah, or, maybe is, he told or is her? she just like really good at visually guessing? <laughs> that's her superpower. <laughs> that's her innate power that when she becomes a, va- I'm, I should have included this in my predictions. Now, when she becomes a vampire, that's going to be her amplified <laughs> guessing measurements. Vamp- her ampli- amplified vampire uh, uh, skill is yeah. Guessing like measurements, like eyeballing measurements <laughs> in extreme precision. And it's going to somehow save the day at the end. Of the- oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it's such a weird way to say that he's tall. Yeah, it really it's so is. so weird. And then his long body. I hate it. Yeah, I hate body, it all. His long body. Um, there's so much horny kissing <laughs> in this book. It's even more than the movie, honestly, but the movie at yeah. least has a fair amount of it. And their inability to just have sex like people who want to have sex with each other. They, the movie does still capture that, at least. Uh-huh. Again, it's worse in the book. There's so many times where it's just like, just... Fuck, you both clearly want to just do it. Oh, my God. Uh, Bella has a line at some point in both the book and the movie where she's like, from now on, I'm Switzerland. Yeah. I um, don't want you. You guys don't get to fight you while you're around me. around me. I'm yeah. Switzerland. Uh, also, uh, after Jacob kisses Bella the first time. Yeah. Um, and then him and Edward have kind of a standoff outside of Bella's house and Charlie comes out and Charlie bless his heart thinking that he could have broken up this fight yeah. between Edward and Jacob. I love it. Just bless. Yeah. It's so cute. Charlie's a mixed bag for me, but he does have his moments. Yeah. Uh, I, the Rosalie backstory was pretty great. Um, I thought it was pretty spot on. Uh, the big detail for me was her wearing the wedding dress mm-hmm. as she uh, murders the the men who killed her. Um, I love the Rosalie backstory. There is almost nothing I love more than dramatic <laughs> vengeance. Yeah. But can we also talk about how Stephanie Meyer has Rosalie victim oh, blame she? herself? I mean, I it. After she finishes telling the story, she says to Bella, it took some time before I began to blame the beauty for what oh. had happened to me, for me to see the curse of it, which is really just a fancy way of saying, what was she wearing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was wearing too pretty a skin. <laughs> her, her skin was too beautiful. Yeah. Shouldn't go out in the skin like that, Rosalie. See what happens. 
So this is what I was talking about earlier with the Riley plotline. I have this in the movie nailed it because I thought it was equally sort of nonsensical and confusing in both the Mm -hmm. movie and the book. To me, it felt equally stupid that the movie tries to downplay that Victoria is responsible for Riley and the newborns. Like the movie like tries to keep that like as a secret or like down. I, both of both the movie and the book try to make it a mystery. Yeah. And, and then, it's so and clearly both, obvious. It doesn't really make sense. Like why? What's the mystery? Yeah. They're clearly related. Yes. And, and, and in both they're like, it, so like it's as a reader and as a viewer, you're like, well, obviously Victoria is involved with this. She's been the main villain for yeah. the first two. We saw her in the movie, like biting the, we assume we couldn't see her specifically, but somebody that had red hair was biting this dude in an alleyway, like in the beginning of the uh, of the movie. And in the book, we know she's still like after her and stuff. And in the movie, Bella posits Victoria as like maybe who's behind this. And but they're like, no, no, no. Like early on, uh, it can't be her because Alice is watching her in the book. No one ever even considers it till like more than halfway through the book. Yeah. And then and then Bella's just like. Maybe it's Victoria and Alice is like, oh, I guess it could be. I don't know. I've been having trouble keeping track of everything because I'm watching so many different things. And like nobody thought of Victoria until. And then, like you said, like you said earlier in the movie, eventually just Bella has the dream and it realizes it's it is Victoria. And that's somehow she's behind somehow Alice. So in the book, it doesn't make sense that nobody thought of her. And for whatever reason in the movie, they're like, she thinks of her early on as like, is Victoria behind us? Like, nah, we're watching. We're watching her. We would know Alice is watching her. But then later on, Bella's like, I saw it's Victoria. It's gotta be, she's using Riley to do it. And, and they're like, Oh, well, she must somehow be hiding behind Riley. And that's why Alice didn't know. Yeah. But if she's watching Alice, she would have seen her. Cause then it cuts to a scene of Victoria like talking to Riley about what he's doing. How does that not translate to Alice being able to see that Victoria is the one in charge of, I didn't understand how this like weird shell game they're playing somehow keeps Alice from being able. I mean, that's a whole problem with like the seeing the future thing and like, right. It's very muddy and hard to make work anyways, but I think in the book, it makes a little bit of sense the idea that like because they're like oh somebody is messing with the holes in your vision because some because we know that somebody's been in bella's room right so they're like okay somebody clearly knows how to like manipulate what you can see and can't see which is when they posit like well the volturi know yeah and i guess which i don't i don't think they ever make this point in the book but i guess Maybe they wouldn't think of Victoria because, like, why would she know? But clearly she does. So I don't know. I don't know. To me, it's just it never made the whole plot line with Riley and the like Alice not being able to see who was. It's I think she kind of wrote herself into a hole when you have a character who can kind of. Yeah, she wrote herself into a corner. It's like super hard to like when you have like future vision and mind reading to like (laughs) figure out how to write around that. And like, you know, you got to kind of introduce like weird plot elements to make it work. And I just don't know if it ever comes together, but I don't think it comes together in either of them. So Mm -hmm. I also this is a thing that happens in the book. And then there's a little bit in the movie is like Bella's repeated insistence and like complete 
objection to Jacob and his pack of giant pack of fuck off werewolves yeah. trying to help fight vampires. Like, I know she, I get that she doesn't want Jacob to get hurt. Right. But they're also a giant pack of fucking murderous werewolves who you've seen, or you haven't seen, but you know can just rip vampires they're apart. They're the size of horses. And, and that's what they do. It's like yeah. literally the only reason they exist, essentially. And I, I just never understood, because also it's like, because one of the times she gets really upset about it is when they're like, oh, we can help the Collins. Like, they're like, oh, we'll help you fight the vampires. And she's like, no. And I'm like, well, now Edward's way less likely to die yeah. or get hurt or any of the Collins are way less likely to get hurt if you have a pack of 10 giant werewolves helping you fight. I just, her, and I get it, it's like emotional and like, eh, it doesn't have to like make sense. But to me, it was just like, it's annoying. It's annoying. It's just like, yeah. it seems so obvious that like, uh, this is a good thing. The odds of any of them getting hurt have gone down dramatically now. And they all keep explaining that to her and she doesn't seem to like believe them. I also hated the training to fight the newborn scene in both of them. I, to me, it felt as dumb in the movie as it did in the book. I say hate. It's, it's kind of fun. It's It's a fun scene, but it like, I never got it in either of them. Like, well, it's it ends up being so generic, and I think again, there's a missed opportunity in both to like do something cool and interesting. Yeah, but it it ends up being pretty generic in both. So yeah, I, I thought the movie did a good job of capturing capturing that genericness. Jasper's <laughs> advice is just like, don't attack him from the front. Except yeah, then that's what they do. It's exactly the what they do at the end. He's like, don't attack him from the front. Got to get him to the side. Don't let him grab your arms, blah, blah, blah. And then we see in the final battle, Jasper literally just runs and punches one yeah. in the face, like from across a field. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. But that whole thing, it's like that she didn't clearly didn't come up with like any like interesting tactics for how yeah. to fight these newborns. She's just like, eh, don't, don't do the expected thing. And then the, the non-expected thing ends up being like dance around them, like move faster than them. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know. It just feels like sort of ill-conceived and just like well, undercooked. She should have she consulted with with like a fighter, yeah. with like somebody who yeah. who is skilled, maybe like a martial artist yeah. or and and come up with some actual interesting tactics yeah. for fighting these creatures. Yeah, but she didn't. Yeah, and also the wolves just watch. Yeah. And it's like, you guys have fought, uh, whatever, okay, sure, fine. And then, because the other thing that's silly to me is that when we see the battle, the newborns fight the exact same way all the vampires fight. They just run at each other and, like, wrestle. Like, (laughs) You know what I mean? There's not, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Jasper's backstory? Yeah. I I thought the movie did a pretty good job. Yeah. I was disappointed that it kind of glosses over the history of like the territory wars in the South and how bad it was, because I thought that was the most interesting part of the story. And the movie kind of glosses over that to focus on Jasper specifically. I did think that was interesting and they did skip that. Yeah. But other than that, I thought the movie did a pretty good job. Uh, Including the fact that Jasper is a Confederate soldier was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great. Um, Let's talk about this because Stephanie Meyer could have literally done anything else. (laughs) Yeah. And she went ahead and made him a Confederate soldier. Like she could have done, like she could have like the Mexican American war or the Texas revolution, or she could have just had him be in the military. Or he could have just been a Northern soldier. (laughs) I mean, he could. I, I get that she wanted him to be in the South because right. that was where, like, the wars were happening. But, right. yeah, she could have had him be, been a, be there as, as, a, as a Union, union soldier. soldier. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 
But she went ahead and she did the most obvious and the most problematic thing. Yeah. Like, to me, I feel like she had that initial idea yeah. and she went with that first idea and never revisited it. He's a Confederate soldier and that's it. And it, it does play into the problematic trope of him as like, as sort of reifying, I think that's the right word, sort of that um, kind of in the way of uh, uh, um, uh, gone with the wind of like that Southern gentlemanly yeah. uh, Confederate soldier who's, you know, uh, out there uh, fighting. He doesn't necessarily, they don't ever even d- get touch anything about like the, <laughs> the cause of what he's fighting yeah. for or anything. They don't even go near that. But, you know, he's presented as this very gentlemanly soldier who's, you mm-hmm. know, just part of this. He's just a, it's just out there fighting for the for the good old South, and it's you know it, it's uh, it very much feels like it's playing into that again the sort of gone with the wind type of um, glorification mm-hmm. of the South. Yeah, that it, romanticizing yeah, of it. Yeah, uh, including the fact that he he has a line in the book that's uh, this isn't in the movie, um, but is just this is a similar thing that what happens is what the reason he gets turned into a vampire is that he approaches these three women to help them. Uh, and the line he says in the book is, I had not been taught to fear women, but to protect them. <laughs> and it's just like, I was like, hey, bro. Uh, they're, and at this point in the book and the movie, they're literally discussing murdering him yeah. as he's sitting there looking at them. I was like, hey, bro, if the women you're uh, ta- like talking to are actively discussing murdering you, maybe throw out your shitty gender norms and just like deal with the situation. Uh, mm. so, uh, so stupid. Um, but they also included the part which I thought was an interesting backstory where he uh, he leads the vampire army and he even down to the point where he uh, he has to like cull the the newborns every yeah. after a year of them being in the army or in his army. I guess like put them down like yeah. old yeller. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, they include that scene in the in the movie where he like breaks the head off a like teenage yeah. vampire or something like that. Oh, and I love in the book, this detail doesn't make it into the movie, but he gets depressed from killing people. And he's like, oh, I tried to I tried to feed less often and blah, blah, blah. And I just love that until he meets Alba, Alice, it never occurs to him that he could try eating literally anything else with blood. Nah. Just, nope, gotta be people. Gotta be. Couldn't try a deer, a cow. A pig? a pig, very similar. They've all got blood. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's... But it just doesn't occur to him. No, oh, that's so funny. How uh, they include the uh, the awkward sex talk with Charlie. Mm, mm, um, but mm. they also include Charlie's gross dadness. Uh, he has a line in the book. Actually, I don't know if this line's in the book. I don't think it is. I don't think it is, but it's it captures the feeling um, of this scene where he says. Uh, she's like, Dad, I'm still well, her saying, Dad, I'm still a virgin is in the book for sure. Yeah. And then but in the movie and I, I can't remember if it's in the book, he says virgin I'm like an Edward a bit more now. And it's just it's one of my least favorite tropes that overprotective of a daughter's virginity is. Yeah. Truly just one of my least favorite tropes in media. It's really one of the grossest things about purity culture. Yeah. Not and it, yeah, it's not just a trope possibly media. quantify a, yeah. how gross that <laughs> it, stuff it is, is, but yeah. it's pretty fucking gross. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, they do include uh I, I do love um the, the night like not the night before the battle but the night she stays over at edwards like two nights before the battle or something mm-hmm. like that and they're in the bed and bella is trying to fuck <laughs> like she is going at him 
hard, and Edward is just not having it. This is before the um, proposal scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, Jesus Christ, Edward, just just have sex with her, man. Come on. Uh. You know, for everything else about the gender politics in this series, and again, you could say a lot a about lot, it. Yeah. I will say Stephanie Meyer does kind of subvert the teen drama trope by having a teenage girl clamoring for sex and a teenage boy pumping the brakes. She's aware of that, though. Yes. Because she calls it out where Edward specifically has a line in one of the, maybe this book, about, he's like, usually I'd be the, you know, there's some line about how it's like a reversal. But again, I think you're right. I think this is one of those moments, though, as I was saying earlier, where I think she she would, this is like her feminine, like she feels like she's being a feminist (laughs) here, I bet. I'll have the girl want to have sex. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, boo, Edward's making her marry him first, um, which is the same thing that happens in the book. Uh, and it's the same conversation where she's like, oh, are you worried about protecting uh, my virtue or your virtue? Or something? I can't remember what she says, but he goes, no, I'm protecting your virtue. And I was like, oh, ugh, yeah. gross. Um, but the whole conversation didn't make a lot of sense to me. And they have the same thing in the book and the movie, kind of, where he wants her to be able to get into heaven. And he's like, I can't get into heaven because I'm a vampire and I don't have a soul. But I want you to be able to get into heaven. And so these and this is a much more explicit and long conversation in the book about mm-hmm. like the rules and stuff. And he's like, so maybe on the off chance that there, the rules exist, if let's not have sex until we're married, because that's one of the rules. And then that way you have a better chance of getting into heaven. I'm like, but bro, you're going to turn her into a vampire. And your whole thing is that you don't have souls. So what does it matter? (laughs) None of that. I don't. I think part of his thing, though, is also that he's murdered people. True. And she hasn't. Oh, that is true. Yes. But. Yeah. So on the off chance that you can still get into heaven as a vampire. He's going to make sure that she has not been unsullied before marriage. He's truly hedging his bets that fucking is the line. Yeah. Being an, an internally damned demon is like not the line, but, but fucking. Which, premarital fucking. I mean, is the that's line. that purity culture. It's that Puritan thing. I mean, fucking really is the line, though. I know. It's it's just all so stupid to me that it, it's. Just, I can't help but like, it is. I hate it. But that, but that is where. Our culture I understand. puts it. I understand. Yes. I, I know. It's just... Uh, they have the whole scene where Jacob uses his body heat to warm Bella while Edward watches. Mm-hmm. It's like this book. And the, the line, faster if you took your clothes off. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, boy, how many... This has to be the starting point. This has to be the single scene where the most erotic fan fiction scenes start from, right? This scene, yeah, maybe it's gotta be maybe. up there. It's I mean, <laughs> can we all agree that what Stephanie really wanted to write was a vampire yes. werewolf human yes. threesome? Like she clearly yes. wants to write that yes. so badly, yes. but her fucking puritanical values won't let her. And it's just live your life, Stephanie. Write, <laughs> write the threesome, <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> write the vampire werewolf human threesome. Live your life. But yeah, that's good. There's a hundred percent. That's this scene is like. They start, so many erotic fan fictions start with this scene and then (laughs) go on from there. I thought the movie did a pretty good job of uh, the conversation between Edward and Jacob. 
I agree. And this is a conversation I liked in the book, too. They actually mm-hmm. have a discussion like reasonable adults. Um, I mean, they're still discussing Bella's agency in a way that feels a little weird, like behind her back, like yeah. they think she's asleep or whatever. Um, but they are discussing what she wants. They're not like it's not, I mean, they're discussing like her agency, but in a way that feels like they're taking her agency into account, at least mm-hmm. in, like what she wants. And like Edward's going through like all the options when she did fall in love with them and they fell in love with each other. Like, well, these are the options we had. She stays a human. You know, like he kind of went and is like, you know, we tried the different options and none of them work. So it's just got to be a vampire kind of thing. Um, and I, they talk through it and just and the movie does that whole thing, too. And I thought it's a does a good job with it. Yeah. Uh, Edward is a giant asshole, though, and makes sure that Jacob overhears that he and Bella are getting married. Yes. Um, he puts that out there. Uh, he ta- he he has the conversation with Bella about it while he knows Jacob's in earshot. She wants to wait until after the battle to mm-hmm. tell him so that yeah, he's not so like distracted. So he won't be distracted and distraught. Which makes sense. But yeah, but he purposefully puts it out there knowing that Jacob is going to overhear it. Yeah. Which again, I he's like, he deserves to know. And it's like, sure. She's not saying she's, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, saying, not, she's not saying we're going to hide it forever. Like 30 minutes, man. Like, <laughs> let's wait until we murder all these evil vampires and then we'll tell them. Uh, and we also get the radio yeah. play-by-play of the battle from Edward. Yeah, we cut back. We get to see it, but we occasionally cut back and have him kind of telling Bella what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like, too, that uh, Victoria tries to run away after Riley's, like, dead. Um, or is losing, they're losing the fight or whatever, and she's going to run away, but Edward, like, goads her into not running away um, because he wants to finish. Like, he doesn't want to have to... Yeah. Um, he, we don't want to stretch it out into book four. Yeah, we don't want to stretch this out into book four. We got to wrap this up and get to the <laughs> the Volturi. And then uh, Bella cuts her arm uh, to distract them at one point, uh, like the, the third wife. Yes. And then uh, ultimately Edward bites her fucking head off. Which is what happens in the book. Like a lot of them, they like rip their heads off and stuff. This he like bites her neck and it like yeah, and her head separates from her body and her hair is shimmering and yeah. writhing for some reason. Yep, yep. Uh, and then when they do get back down, another thing that the movie does stick to is we talked about Bree Tanner. Um, she's there. She's been taken hostage, kind of. She's surrendered to the yeah. To the Cullens, and they're going to bring her into the family, but the Volturi show up, and they're like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh. We don't allow that. We don't allow that kind of shit. No second chances, and they (laughs) murder her, uh, which is brutal, and, like, uh, it's the same thing. We don't really see it or in in the movie or the book, but we just know it happens, because in the book, like, Bella, like, Mm -hmm. covers her eyes and stuff. But it's a good sort of reminder of how ruthless the Volturi are, um, because she's, like, a young a young vampire or whatever. Um, and I, I, you mentioned earlier, but I thought this movie did do a good job sort of setting up the conflict with the Volturi. Yeah. And the Volturi really are like the true big bad in this series. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. They're dangerous. Yeah. And I like that, you know, it's very clear that the Volturi could have stopped the battle, but they wanted it to happen. And there's some, and there's some banter that I really liked that's in the book that translated to the movie where, like Edward or, or Carlisle or somebody's like, man, if only you'd shown up 30 minutes earlier. And they're like, yeah, it's a pity, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, it's a real pity. You know? And they're like, they're having that kind of like back and forth <laughs> um, where they like, there's this tension, but the Colons have to like toe the line. Cause you know, Volturi just murder them or whatever. Yeah. And then we wrap up both the book and the movie with more uh, overprotective dad trope. Yeah. <laughs> we have go. to tell Charlie, it's highly dangerous. 
a good thing you're bulletproof because <laughs> they'll shoot you because murdering people over my virginity is totally a thing that should happen super normal you super guys normal. having a normal one yeah that's it that was it for all of those segments oh my goodness i'm sweating so much we only have a little bit left uh now my favorite segment brian predicts the twilight saga it's gonna happen edward i've seen it we're going to quickly go over my previous predictions from, for Eclipse uh, and my wishes, and then we'll get into my predictions for Breaking Dawn. So, uh, first prediction for Eclipse was Jacob and Edward have a big fight, knock down, drag out, fight over Bella, potentially becoming a vampire. They argue a lot about it, but there is no yeah. fight. They we almost, almost fight. got this one. Yes. Very close. We're very close. Very close. And they just kind of talk it out, um, ultimately. Uh, I also predicted that Victoria was going to get a hold of Charlie as bait. And that they'd be able to save Charlie, but then Victoria gets away and Charlie knows about vampires. Uh, not even close on that one. Didn't happen. I still think that would have been interesting, but no. Uh, and I predicted once again, and I will keep doing this because I know it <laughs> happens eventually, that Bella was going to become a vampire turned by Edward, uh, partially motivated by her desire to be able to keep Charlie safe after the run-in with Victoria. I really didn't think they were going to save turning Bella into a vampire for book four. It seems like such a waste of potential. Here we are, though. I really figured the end of book three. I mean, it's a four part series. I was like, okay, somewhere in book three. Mm -hmm. So we get like some time for her to adjust. And then book four, she's she's a vampire. vampire. And we deal with like kind of go from there. It felt really strange to me that it would go into book four. But apparently we are. So. All righty. My wishes for Eclipse War (laughs) that Arrow would come to visit uh, Forks, check in on the Bell situation. And they would have to show him around town, and it would just be like Arrow having a travel blog. Uh, he's mentioned, but he actually doesn't make an appearance in this one. Yeah. It's only mentioned. Disappointing. Uh, I also wish that the first time having sex for Edward and Bella, he would turn her into a vampire uh, as they were fucking. This, I still think this is going to happen. Uh, I think this is also one of my predictions for the future. We'll, we'll get to my predictions here coming up. I also was wishing for Evil Alice. I wanted a Dark Willow turn for Alice. Uh, that ultimately swings back around, and it's definitely not going to happen. Uh, as I'm <laughs> at the end of the, they would have to pack. A, she would have to pack so much into book four for that <laughs> for that to happen, because uh, there was not even an inkling of anything like that. So here are my new predictions. I have my predictions for Breaking Dawn Part One. The way I'm going to do this, I wrote all of my predictions for Breaking Dawn right now. I'm only going to do my Part One predictions, mm-hmm. and then I'll do the Part Two predictions. Um, at the end of the at the next, next episode, episode. Yeah. or at the next uh, at the breaking down part one episode. Mm-hmm. So first, Bella finally fucking becomes a vampire, and they finally have sex. I think this will be the end of movie one potentially. Maybe uh, I'm still holding out hope for him turning her as they climax during their first time having sex, but I'm not holding out hope. I am betting that they have sex, and then sometime after something goes awry. And Edward has to turn her to save her or something. Uh-huh. I don't know what, but I'm betting something something happens and then she has to become a vampire. My second prediction, because somebody's got to die at some point that matters. Sorry, uh, old old man Clearwater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? This is the only character. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, aside from bad guys. Yeah. And even these people that I'm predicting aren't that. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, Sam. I think Sam's going to die and that Jacob has to assume leadership of the pack. So there's this whole plot line that's in the book that's not in the movie that Jacob is like second in command, but he should be yeah. the leader because of his bloodline, but he didn't want it. It's like briefly mentioned in yeah. the movie, but they discuss oh, did? it Was it more. mentioned in the movie? He I mentions didn't... it when he's carrying her through the woods. Oh, okay. But they, yeah, they talk about it more. It's definitely like more of a thing in the Well, book. then it makes it more likely to me that it'll come up if it was mentioned in the movie i'm thinking someone important quote unquote has to die eventually and now sam's Mm -hmm. not like a super major character but he's at least one of like the you know part of the pack and stuff and i think that would make sense for jacob's character growth that he would have to grow into that leadership role Uh, and then my third prediction this is my freaking hail mary for the whole series bella's mom's husband uh phil phil who is a baseball player dies tragically in a baseball related accident maybe on a plane (laughs) trip who knows she comes to visit bella and forks to clear her head it's been a long time since she's been to forks uh maybe her and charlie patch things up and she wants to come visit bella and forks and see how she's living her life there while in forks her mom meets jacob and he imprints on her and marries bella's mom (laughs) and fucks bella's mom (laughs) this is my hail mary for the whole series if this comes true That'll save the series save for the you. Save the series for okay. me. Okay. Okay. Uh, and like I said, I have my second set for the part two of Breaking Dawn. Those are all things I think will happen in part one. I, I say think will happen. That third one's more of a wish, but I'm I'm coming up with some. I'm going I'm going deep for bonus points on my prediction there. Um, and then my wishes for Breaking Dawn. This is for the whole book. This is for both parts because I didn't want to write two separate sets of wishes. Um, so this I have three here that I that are uh, for the whole series. Or for the whole book. After Sam and Jasper die, spoilers for my part two predictions, Emily and Alice realize they really didn't need all this toxic masculinity in their lives. They start a used bookstore and patisserie in Forks and become those two women that everyone in town whispers about. (laughs) I think that's very, I actually think that could have put that in my predictions. I would think that actually might happen. Um, Because we know Team Alice, we know know Alice and Bella isn't happening. Mm. So I'm thinking Jasper's kind of an ass. Sam's going to die. I'm thinking Emily. And I think Emily and Alice make sense. Um, and patisserie, for anybody who doesn't know, is like a pastry shop. Mm. I just felt like that would be the right word for what they would open. Because <laughs> she bakes. We know. She makes cupcakes and muffins and stuff. It's yes. calling back on her character there. Two, Charlie realizes what a fucking weirdo he was for worrying about his daughter's virginity so much. I don't really have he just realizes it and feels bad about it <laughs> <laughs> that's all and then three arrow survives i really want this to happen i'm going to be very disappointed if he dies arrow survives and shows up in season three of what we do in the shadows <laughs> i really want him in what we do in the shadows can i just say how much i love this segment Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see if any of those things come true i'm banking on none of them coming true uh, i do actually i think if i had to put money down i do actually think sam dying would mm-hmm. like is very likely um of all the things that i wrote there so we got a few odds and ends and then we'll get to the final verdict i'm gonna kick us off here beginning of the book page five Charlie tries to microwave metal. And I'm sitting there reading this, and I'm like, you know, Charlie lived by himself for 
what, 17 years before Bella came to Forks. Why can't this man use a microwave? Why he can't cook at all, like to the point that he cannot use a microwave. That makes no sense. It makes zero sense. If you, if what are you doing, Stephanie? If it's the he can't cook trope, he should be able to use a microwave. Yeah, that's the person who can't cook can still microwave things like that. uh, It's yeah, it is really dumb. It's so the implication being he literally only ever eats out or like Mm -hmm. orders food or 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 like makes cold food i don't like what <laughs> just eat cereal all, eat the, time. Cereal all the time i don't I, know yeah, I, I, I and know. i feel like this opens up more questions like does he know how to use a toaster <laughs> like I, what how far how deep does this extend because because what you're talking about here is he doesn't just put metal in the microwave like he doesn't like not realize you can't put aluminum foil in the microwave yeah, he or puts like it a in, fork he puts an entire closed can of uh, spaghetti sauce yeah. He just sticks the whole jar in the microwave and starts microwaving it. What? What? All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> also, who just microwaves a whole jar and doesn't, like, dump some of that? And I mean, you really should be cooking it in a pot. But if you're going to cook it in the microwave, you'd pour some of it into a bowl. It's, 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 it's such a, like, a, a weird way to express the idea that he just is so doesn't know how to cook. Like, yeah. you can get what she's going for. Like, you know. I get, well, I get, yeah, I get it. But it's just. But it's so weird, and it was <laughs> distracting. Yeah, he would know how to microwave something. Come on, Stephanie. The idea that marble hard lips are appealing to Stephanie Meyer fascinates me. It's something I finally realized, and and I think I I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but so many times in these books, she she has lines about how great it is to kiss. Edward's rock hard cold lips and I'm just astounded every time at why it is that Stephanie Meyer thinks that's like appealing I don't she just wants to make out with statues man there wasn't anything I had experienced in my life that compared to the feeling of his cool lips marble hard but always so gentle moving with mine and just like that's such a strange... Like, I'll grant you that that would be very unique. Yes. But also, what? <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't know. It's so... I I, that's, I feel like there's a whole thing. Like, there's yeah. some layers that need to there's, be unwrapped yes. there about, like, why that is the... There's, there's some background information <laughs> that we're not privy to. Yeah. About Stephanie Meyer. It's so fascinating to me. Uh, Throughout this book and movie, I really started thinking about what the Cullens are not doing to pass as human more easily. Like, why don't they wear contact lenses? Yeah. Like, they could do brown. Yeah. Or they could get, like, blue over the gold eyes and do, like, a green color. Yeah. I like I also started wondering if a spray tan would hide the vampire oh, sparkles yeah. because in New Moon Heidi I think was her name who goes out and like fetches people for the Volturi oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she wears a thick layer of foundation which apparently seems to work so I feel like spray tan is very plausible You would think uh, yeah I feel like there's a lot that they could do that they're not doing. To be fair, though, they don't they don't ever have any problem with anybody ever thinking they're vampires. Like, I, I thought that was another interesting 
element that is never played, at least in the first three books. Mm -hmm. There's never like, oh, no, we're going to be found out. Like, that's never a concern. Now, I am about halfway through Midnight Sun. Okay. More on that later, you guys. (laughs) And it is a concern. Okay. It it does occasionally. It's that they talk about, like, Edward talks about how it's not as much of a concern as it once was. Right. But he's like, oh, that's where my power is really pivotal. Um, If a human starts, like, has an overactive imagination and starts, like, getting ideas, we can just leave. And then they don't really think about it anymore. Yeah. But I I feel like there's a lot that they could do that they're not doing. For sure. I cannot stress enough how much I don't like reading about Bella trying to figure out how she'll emotionally survive one day away from Edward. It legitimately makes me panicky. <laughs> like it, it <laughs> I, I that that sort of unhealthy, like it. I hate it so much when she's like talking about like, oh my god, I have three hours this afternoon where I don't get to see Edward. What will I do with my life? I'm like, uh, I, don't I don't know like anything. Anything. <laughs> You seem to like reading. Read a book for three hours. Watch a movie. I don't get you on down to the blockbuster and rent something. Oh, boy. That, nope. Don't like it. Don't like that. That, uh, nope. Not a fan of reading that. So this is not an element in the movie, but in the book, we see Bella and Edward's handwriting. And Bella's handwriting is 1,000% a font that used to be in Word. (laughs) I can't remember the name of it. Please message us if you know what I'm talking about. But I remember using it as handwriting in some of my own writing when I was in, like, middle school. Edward's probably is, too, but I really strongly feel like I recognize Bella's. Yeah, that would make sense. Wouldn't surprise me. So this is a detail that wasn't mentioned in the movie, and I didn't really have anywhere to put it. So I just want to talk about it here, because this was a dumb detail in the book that was like, oh, this feels like a rewrite, sort of a slapping a solution on a problem Mm. is that there's a discussion at one point about how they're going to leave forks and then Edward will turn Bella. And they're talking about this with Jacob and Jacob's like, nah, the treaty applies everywhere. If you, cause that was the whole thing at the end of the last one where it was like, Oh, we're going to have to leave. Well, he was like, you can't, if you turn, if you turn Bella, the treaty's broken and we'll attack you or whatever. Yeah. And then in this one, they discuss it and and they're like, well, we'll just do it. We'll leave and do it. And Jacob's like, no, it applies everywhere. So if Are we sure that's not just Jacob yeah, bullshitting? Yeah, maybe it's just Jacob <laughs> bullshitting. But it felt like, it's like, wait, what? So if the Cullens leave and then bite a human somewhere, you, do you know? Or like what? I, I just, I don't know. It didn't <laughs> like make any sense. Their vampire senses start tingling. Well, it just so, felt so very clearly like. Stephanie Meyer be like, oh, shit, they could just move away and then turn her into a vampire. And then the tree thing doesn't matter. Uh, nope, it applies everywhere. It applies. To, <laughs> it applies everywhere. I don't I don't know. I, just, yeah, I thought it was silly. So this is something I said to you as we were watching the movie. <laughs> now, I know we don't see much of Jasper in the first two movies. He's basically not in them. We don't really interact with him. But I really strongly feel like this was the first time he's had a southern accent. Well, I think you're right in the sense that we've seen him. I don't yeah. know if he's spoken a word in the first two movies. I think he he at least says hello to Bella in yeah. the first one. Yeah, probably. And maybe it was just because, like, they didn't even do it subtly. Like, no. they went straight for Colonel Sanders. Just, all of a sudden, he's got <laughs> a southern draw. <laughs> 
<laughs> Battle scars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the CG wolves look okay in this movie when they're like running around doing stuff like mm-hmm. fighting and mm-hmm. stuff. But there's the one scene and you posted the, the meme, the most like the, 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 the shot without the CG on our Facebook and stuff. But there's one scene in particular where Bella interacts with Jacob, like pets him and it does not look great, mm. but it's so funny. Cause the rest of the time, I mean, they still had that. They needed to have like one of those scenes like where she, you know, yeah. like interacts with them. But like, because the rest of the time it looks okay. Like when they, again, when they're just like running around, it looks okay. But man, that one scene. Uh, and if you want to see what we're talking about with the, without the CG, there's a shot of Bella petting Taylor Lautner's head in a gray <laughs> spandex suit <laughs> before they put the wolf in. So, You know what one of the biggest problems with Twilight is? I'm not the first person to posit this, but I'm going to posit it here. It's that the side characters and stories are infinitely more interesting, and yet we are forced to follow the two most boring characters. This is very true. It's really a problem. Yeah. I would rather read or watch... Like, literally anyone else (laughs) in this story. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I I would yeah I'd much rather follow like uh, whatever the Volturi's up to all the time. Yeah, or like any of the other wolves. Or like they seem let's more read about what any of the Cullens were doing for like yeah. like in their vast histories. Yeah. like it's all so much more interesting. Right. Than Edward and Bella like moping at each other. Yeah, it really it really is. Um, is there, there's still, that's like, I meant to keep it. Do we still, there's still some mystery about Alice, right? And her backstory. We haven't ever gotten her backstory. Or did I just forget it? Don't spoil it. If we haven't, have we, do we know her backstory? It's briefly mentioned in book one. Cause James recognizes her. She was in like an asylum in the twenties. Yeah. But is there I, more? I know more of her backstory, but I'm honestly not sure if I know that because I've read like more, yeah, like extra material than you have, or if it was in one of the books. I'm honestly not sure at this okay, point. Okay, because she's like the only one I feel like I don't know any. I don't remember her backstory, and I felt like it was supposed to be like more interesting. I don't know. I like how her backstory is way more interesting. Okay. Or like, let's follow Rosalie for a while. Or, I don't know, Emmett, what's he up to? Yeah, Emmett really is doesn't get enough to yeah. do. He was right. almost mauled by a bear. That's all yeah. we really know about him. <laughs> yeah. But I still find that more interesting. It's true. Uh, my last note for this is that, boy, does, uh, does Stephanie Meyer go to the, quote, Jacob smiled that smile I loved well a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, her, it's her Edward chuckled for Jacob. <laughs> Like so many, and I I just started to realize it at the end of this one. So many times Bella talks about Jacob's smile and whether or not it's her smile, yeah, and the smile she likes, or if it's a different smile. Sometimes <laughs> like, it's a bad smile. Sometimes it's a bad smile. But but oh nope, there's that smile that I like. There's that smile that I love, and it's, she goes she talks about that so many times. <laughs> I was just like I just really started to realize how often she talks about that. 
All right, I just have a couple real quick things here. Um, some one, somebody on the makeup team fell down because there's a close-up on Victoria at one point, and boy, does she have some big-ass mascara smudges. Yeah, she really does. I noticed it. I, I noticed it once you pointed it out. I was like, oof. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, we're getting married. Mm-hmm. And uh, I looked it up, and August 13th, 2022 is a Saturday. Oh, wow. <laughs> You know, if I didn't hate August, I would do it for the <laughs> meme. Like if their birthday, if their, the lulls. If, if their wedding was like in spring or fall, maybe. But the idea of getting married in August sounds truly it's terrible. It's the worst time to get married. I, I mean, feel. they're getting married in Forks, so it's probably sure, fine up it's there. It's probably fine. But like. But in the Midwest, that's a nightmare. In Missouri? Yeah. Ugh. Well, but yeah, if, if theirs was like May 13th or something, yeah. fuck it. Sure. <laughs> Let's get married on the day <laughs> Bella and Edward do. I don't care. All right. And now a couple things, random things that I learned while reading The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner that I thought was interesting. Uh, vampire venom is flammable. There is oh. a little note in the book when Bella is reading um, that article about all of the murders in seattle yeah and there's like the police didn't find any evidence of accelerant yeah even though the bodies were burned and i was like well that's a weird detail to drop yeah it is weird but apparently vampire venom super flammable oh that's why they go up like that's why they're dry haystacks yeah. yeah also some new information apparently vampires can reassemble themselves I never interpreted that quite so literally in Eclipse because they do mention, I think there's something in the Quileute mythology about like the hands moving towards each other moving. And and then when they finally destroy the last vampire or whatever, they, um, they, they burn it and they spread. Yeah. They spread the ashes into like different bags and spread them all over the place so that they can't like come back together. Yeah. Right. So I never interpreted that like literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me neither. But apparently they can put themselves back together. Uh, Bree's arm got torn off at one point and Riley showed her how to reattach it. Now, the best part <laughs> is that they reattach pieces of their body by licking them <laughs> to coat them <laughs> with venom. Because apparently it works like glue, but it does not work on hair, we're told, because there's another vampire in this newborn army who got a chunk of her hair ripped out, and she's just going to have a bald spot forever. Because well, it doesn't that's work. So with, weird. It's so weird. I know. I love I know. that you literally lick it and you and just stick, stick it, it back <laughs> on. Oh, that's the dumbest. <laughs> that's so stupid. I love it. I actually um, really enjoyed reading the short Second Life of Brie Tanner. It was kind of fun to be in the world, but not in Bella's dour perspective. Yeah. Um, but it was it like it was hard to suss out. Because it was published post the entire series. And it was difficult to suss out what was actually part of her world building all along and how much of it was like retroactive. Oh, I'm going to explain this. Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, we know she's guilty of that. Yes. Even in the series of changing things based on uh, fan reaction and stuff. So. All right, that was it for the odds and ends. It is that time we have arrived at last to the final verdict. Now, 
Are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. I am once again going to vote for the movie. Uh, it is tougher this time because I definitely think I may not like the movie that much if I weren't comparing it to the book. Like if I just watched this movie, like if I had watching the movies, I don't know if I would like love this movie. I know I wouldn't love it, but (laughs) point being, I'm comparing it to the book, which I think is helpful for the movie. Overall, there were elements of this book that I liked more than some of the previous ones. I liked that the plot starts sooner and we get a bit more of it woven throughout the story. I still think it's not a particularly like watertight narrative in either medium, but I did like in the book that we have more of the plot that it's kind of driving the story along as we go. Uh, Having read the book definitely helped me keep up with what was going on in the film. The big thing for me that makes the movie better is the character writing. It's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. In the movie, I believe and understand all three of our main characters' motivations. They feel like real people. Uh, In the book, Edward and Jacob especially both have these drastic character shifts that just feel like wrong and like they kind of come out of nowhere and don't feel motivated by anything in particular other than just Stephanie Meyer needing them to switch their character Mm -hmm. motivations and be sort of different people. You can feel that Stephanie was course correcting with Edward and trying to give Jacob some obvious flaws so that we were more comfortable with Bella's ultimate decision. But I feel like she went a little too far on both of those to the point where I found myself being pulled completely out of the narrative because Jacob was just such a monster (laughs) and Edward did such a turn from being completely like over controlling and, and, you know, uh, manipulative and, and, and emotionally abusive borderline with how controlling he was um, to just being like, fine it just felt like like a switch was flipped and it didn't feel like it was earned in any way i will say for the target audience i think it could be a good lesson to have i kind of mentioned this a character like jacob who we like but then we come to find out is this manipulative abusive person and i think that you could there are warning messages in this story that you could get out of it if the conclusion of them was handled in a different way and that's where Mm -hmm. i think it kind of goes off in the book is that she turns Jacob into this sort of manipulative, abusive asshole, but then she just sort of writes Bella into realizing she's in love with him despite these awful character traits, and he doesn't seem to change much and apologize or grow. For, he, he's an okay guy, then he's an asshole, and then he's like kind of just okay again, and none of their character changes feel very particularly motivated by anything that's going on, and I'm just not sure what the message is supposed to be. To me, the movie characters feel like actual humans whose motivations make sense and who I understand why Bella is torn between them and why, and they just, it just feels fleshed out and real. And for that reason, I have to give it to the movie. Well, I thought we might disagree eventually. Yeah. And it looks like we have come to that point. I'm going to go with the book this time. I totally agree with all of your points. The characterization in the movie is much better However, for me, that's the only thing that the movie does better. While watching, I kept coming back to the thought that the filmmakers seemed so dependent on the viewer having read the book. And if I can't view the movie as its own independent piece, then what am I here for? I mean, if that's the case, then quite frankly, I don't think I can award better status to the movie. And on top of that, For me, I do think it's the details of the world and the characters, and particularly the side characters, as I mentioned, that make Twilight interesting, much more so than the plot that we're forced to follow. 
Now, the movie might do better with some aspects of the plot, but for me, the devil is in the details, and the book does better with that. So for these reasons, I'm going with the book this time. All right. I love it. No. <laughs> it's more I want to say, but I'm not going to win because we're already too long. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode. As always, you can do us a giant favor. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisfilmislit. As we mentioned in the beginning, you can also do us a favor. If you can't support us on Patreon, that's fine. Just head over to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us, if you can, and leave us a five-star review and rating. That would be super great. Also, you can follow us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, uh, where we post all the stuff, uh, memes and uh, polls and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, including, speaking of the poll, we're going to have a poll for this episode, whether asking you whether you preferred the movie or the book. Uh, and then you can leave some comments and we love sort of reading your comments on the next prequel episode, seeing how you felt about uh, each of the stories and which one uh, you preferred and why. And speaking of the next episode, Katie, what do we have? Because we're taking one more break before we finish off Twilight with back to back episodes on Breaking Dawn. Yeah, we give ourselves a little bit of time to read Breaking Dawn. Uh, It is a tome, like all Mm -hmm. of the other Twilight books. So up next, we have a patron request from Shelby. Mm -hmm. We will be talking about Dolan's Cadillac, which is a Stephen King short story and a 2009 film. I had never heard of it. I had never heard of it either. That is what we will be talking about next time. I don't even know. I literally know nothing about it. don't even know what genre of Stephen King it is could be just about anything sweet come back in one week's time we'll have a prequel where you can find out what the heck dolan's cadillac is about at least a little bit and then in two weeks time we're talking about dolan's cadillac and then in four weeks time we're coming back and finishing off well breaking dawn part one and then uh, then we'll wrap up this series thank you as always until that time guys gals non-binary and everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies and, and keep, keep being awesome, awesome.